Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. Fixing my mic. Fix my mic. This is episode 163. Maybe. I don't know. That lady over there, <laughs> that's Kamalo Makik. What? What's it? Makiko Whitaker. Makiko. Yeah. She's my buddy, and I don't even say her last name. <laughs> Makiko Whitaker. She's on the podcast. Buckle up, people. The episode starts right now. <laughs> Zeros. How old is LA Volleyball Club? Um, I want to say it's about five years old. It gets a little hazy because it did start off um, with a group of kids from Marvissa Park. Um, and that was prior to me joining uh, the club. And I think two years in, they already had two teams. And Jason brought me on board staff. And um, I've been there ever since. And one of my favorite things about the club is just you, you look at the world of volleyball and you look at the world of Southern California volleyball versus what Southern California communities actually look like. And we're, we're given this opportunity to show the world within the volleyball community what LA really looks like, meaning we have one of the most diverse clubs um, I would even say in the country. So, yeah, it's really awesome. We are going to talk about what Jason Olive means to the both of us and get all sentimental later, but you you stumbled onto something and I'd like to keep going with that. Mm-hmm. Volleyball, do we both agree that inclusivity is the key f- to, for continuous prosperity for volleyball? 100%. 100%. I mean, if you take a look at sports like basketball, where a majority of the top athletes are coming from really low economic backgrounds. And then you look at volleyball, it's not really the same, right? So it's like you have these athletes out there. These athletes are there, right? It's just a matter of is the sport being inclusive? Is the sport bringing these kids in even though they may not be able to afford it, right? Is, right. is someone taking the jump to bring these kids in? And so that's one of our biggest missions in the club is – you know, to reach out to these communities and, and help the kids who, in retrospect, wouldn't be able to afford volleyball. And what a job we're doing so far, huh? Yeah. It is. Now, for the club coaches out there, we have friends that, that are South Bay coaches, yeah. um, you know, that that either develop people who are who can afford it, who are into it, mm-hmm. or, and there's all, and I, I'm going to insult some people. There's a handful of coaches that take the good kids and then jump in front of the parade and act like they've been coaching them the whole time. And then, you know, everywhere you go, there's going to be a mixture of all of those people. But, um, can you appreciate, and I'm not trying to say that the work you're doing is more worthy or, or more noble than the work they're doing, but I guess I kind of am. I am saying that. Yeah. There is nobility. And the work we're putting in, mm-hmm. there is there is worthiness in taking kids who are who are inland, um, and like you said, diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, and that might sound like code for black and Latino, but I, oh, fine, okay, it is what it is. But we have more than that in the club. Yes. We have all kinds of Asian kids. We mm-hmm. have uh, Latino. We have, and even within the Latino community, it's so diverse. We have our black girls on the on the teams. Um, I think we even have an Israeli player on our boys boys training group side, right? So, you know, it's, I mean, it's L.A. That's what L.A. looks like. 
it's yes. the, there's no other way to explain it yeah i am um, let's use a small sample size right mm -hmm. uh flow one's one of the better one of the better teams period one and the setter that we we expect to see at the international level someday because yeah. i mean i've never seen someone so young and and that and her release mm -hmm. You know, because some people use like the deep dish as a teaching tool. Yeah. So the kids um, understand the fluidity. And yeah. then as they get older, the set gets better. Mm -hmm. No, this one is USSR style. Yeah. You know, your release. Um, all right. So back to back to the question. Mm -hmm. Small sample size, because this is right now. It was a very big roster for you last year, but it's a small roster this year. So yeah. how many people on that team are not white? I'd say the only girls who are white on that team off the top of my head, I really think it's, I mean, if you The oppo on the outside, right? Yeah, and maybe, I mean, if you're counting Italian, then that too, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, I to me, white, it means so many different things, oh, but. Oh, no. But, um, we yeah. ain't, Look, we ain't got time to dice up yeah. our white people. <laughs> Sorry. Come on, man. But, you know. You're Romanian? Stop. Just, just the three, and that's <laughs> it, on the roster of nine. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is it's amazing i think the only other place you'll really see something like that is in hawaii but that's because that's the only other place in the world that's as to me as diverse as la is yeah yeah and of course or new york the king of diversity well, right? jason yeah. olive jo yeah he's half black half white i think his father's african-american yeah father's um father's a vet too um mm -hmm. so you know see he's he's got mad respect you know in the military community and yeah. uh, i guess we share we, we we share that commonality so let's let me put myself in a position where i'm talking less what does jason olive mean to you um i grew up actually knowing of him i never knew him personally um but obviously within the hawaii volleyball community he's a well-known name um and what was interesting to me of how this all happened is that he was in college around the same time as my parents were um, at University of Hawaii. And so somehow him and my parents ended up friends on Facebook. And um, my mom was posting pictures of our spring game against UCLA. And um, right after that game, Jason messaged my mom right away like, hey, does she want to coach? Like, we, we need some coaches at this club. And, you know, ever since then, I kind of just jump on board. And he's now, I would consider him family to me now. Yeah. Um, you know, in a, in a city that is, can be brutal sometimes, it's, it's nice to have people who you know are loyal and who truly care about you, your well-being, your family's well-being. Um, and, and that's something that I know he feels for our entire staff. And so that's, that's you know, he has taken me under his wing, has shown me the admission side to club volleyball. I knew the volleyball side. <laughs> and even that, I still learn, I'm still learning things every day on the volleyball side. But with the admission side, I knew nothing. Right. So yeah. so that's something that he's completely taken me under his wing and kind of um, mentored me through this process. You know, as far as volleyball nerds are concerned, like 
you get into the sport, you're into it, you have, and you put in all this respect for the people that played before you, and um, I, I guess the people that played before you inspire you, and mm -hmm. maybe you aspire to be like a certain player. Maybe, maybe it was Steve Timmons, mm -hmm. 1988 team, um, USC guy. He actually won two goals, 84-88. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy with the spiky hair. Yeah. Um, great, great brand too, Red Sand. You know, good, good, good product line. You know, mm -hmm. um, goods and services. Everyone was happy about that. And so what you, what happens is you become obsessed and you ingratiate yourself in, 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 into the sport where you are the sport. Mm -hmm. And just when you think you're the biggest nerd out there, you meet someone like Jason. Yeah. Uh, I swear to God. Uh, um, and I'm a kid from Brooklyn. So me being obsessed and talking about volleyball all the time and a basketball culture. Mm -hmm. I'm from Flatbush Avenue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um uh, it definitely made me feel unique because of, of this and that. And then you come here and everyone's on this level. And I'm like, wow, everyone's obsessed like I am, but they ain't the biggest nerd as I am. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not you, not you, not you, not you. Mm -hmm. And then you meet Jason. And I'm like, holy sugar. Now, notice I said sugar, right? No, I'm not trying to say shit. All right. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, big time nerd, dude. Yeah. Big time nerd. Yeah. I'm going to ask you something about strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to and I'm going to do it the best way I know how that annoys people the most. I'm going to start with me. Um, when I was interviewing for LMU, John Mayer, um, director of operations, and um, basically that's just another way so John can have another assistant coach. He, he, he likes as many as he can, but you're only allowed two. So he's like, all right, you're, you're um, a consultant. You're an equipment manager, whatever, right? And he's got like, coaches with international experience who are but john asked me what my greatest strength was um and i'm going to direct this to you okay and i told him i personalize my work because mm -hmm. volleyball doesn't leave when i leave practice mm -hmm. you, you see this office right now i'm living in this office like a hermit and all i'm doing is watching video mm -hmm. and whenever i think someone knows more than me while i'm sleeping i get up and I, and I watch more and then when john asked me what my weakness was i personalized my work it hurts too much when you put so much in and the kids believe in you and they want it as much as you. And then they get on the court and you have these disappointments and you have to find a way to, for your heart to not break or for you not to be angry in the middle of a game and yell at someone, yell at a kid or whatever, because your emotions are getting the best of you. Mm -hmm. um, as far as what your greatest strength and your greatest weakness is, I think I know you. How close to my strengths and weaknesses are your strengths and weaknesses? Or where would your strengths and weaknesses be different from mine? Yeah, I mean, I think we're very similar in the fact that, like, volleyball is my life, and it always has been. Um, and that goes back to, uh, you know, in middle school, I was kind of going through a rough patch emotionally and mentally, and volleyball was the one place that didn't exist. It was the one place where I felt safe. So it that that and that's 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 something that will always be for me. And so even in college when I went through hell and back, volleyball was one place I knew I could get myself to show up to every day. Right? So when when that is what volleyball means to you, it never stops. It, whether you stop playing, it never stops, right? Um so I, it doesn't matter whether I'm uh, 80 years old and can't even get up off the couch or I'm 16 and I'm playing every day. It's, it's, it's the same. So 
um, you know, a lot like you, volleyball is my everything. And that's where that passion and that fire and that, that commitment comes from. Um, I think with me, because of with because of what I've been through and what volleyball means to me, I think that when I'm coaching these girls, I want to give that to them, right? Give them that safe space. Give them that that one place in their life where they're feeling good about themselves, right? And so, you know, that's where I, when I coach, I deeply care about these kids because I know what it's like to be one of them, right? And so, you know, those things, those things I think come from my, my core and my heart. And that's where I think my strength is. And that's where I think my strength is in life is my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in terms of weaknesses, sometimes it's also my heart. Sometimes my heart gets too involved and I, you know, get really affected by the smallest of things. Um, so, you know, that that's that's a continuous process that I'm working on. Um, but yeah, it's when when you have, I think, a heart that's full of passion as much as mine, it can be a double edged sword sometimes, because sometimes that passion overtakes it. And then you you get these big emotions that are really hard to handle. Um, mm. And yeah, we have a uh... We have a 24-hour rule with parents. Mm-hmm. 24 hours before you send anyone a text. Yeah. 24 hours before you say what you got to say. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you're a prisoner of the moment. And this, and you, you and sometimes a parent wants to tell you how they really, really feel, right? You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, I mean, or late last year, a parent from the opposing team actually told me how they felt about me in the mm-hmm. parking lot. And that was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was weird for me because I reacted um, professionally mm-hmm. when I didn't. Uh, I was like, wow, I got better at this because the old Jason would have, you know, w- what he said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to repeat it because this is a nice piece person's episode. Um, but where I'm from, you get pieced up for that. <laughs> yeah. You get a three piece and a soda. Yeah. You know what a three piece and a soda is? Yeah. It's a one, two. Yeah. Right. And then when they come around, a third one. Yeah. Three piece and a yeah. soda. Um, so. Parents, mm-hmm. 24-hour rule. Um, do we ha- do you have one as a coach? In terms of with parents? Yeah. Um, Look, I'm not talking about Jason. Jason, yeah. Jason you need a freaking 72-hour rule because he, he takes cause, because he suffers the same weakness that you and I do. Yeah. Yeah. He pers- um, it's too personal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, uh-huh. with, with me and the parents um, – I try to always have open communication with the parents. Um, so, you know, I've kind of lucked out a lot of the times. I mean, if you look at Flow One, their parents are... Support group is, 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 is I, I'm amazing. telling you, it's the best group of parents I could have had for my first team coaching club ever. Yeah. Um, and so I've never really had to run into issues with, with that group very much. Um, mm. Obviously, I have run into issues with parents on other, other teams and... Um, I, I think with with me, it's like with that 24-hour rule, it just allows them to kind of think through it. But a lot of the times, if a parent's feeling like that, a lot of times after 24 hours, they're still feeling like that, right? So it's, it's just a matter of going through a third party is what I have seen yeah. is kind of puts a wedge between that kind of attack that can happen on a coach sometimes from parents. Right. Um, 
And a lot of times it's parents who may not know volleyball as much as they think they do, right? So they're, they're trying to make judgment calls mm. based off of their own knowledge, right? Um, and so that's where having that third party come in and step in be- between uh, the parent and the, the coach is always good. So that's something that I really like with our club is that we have that third party come in yeah, and, and kind of be that neutral I like that. Uh, person between them. Um, a lot of times... It doesn't work out, but not everyone's going to be a fit for your club. Cool. So. Hey, your volume on your mic is perfect, but if you want, I could turn your headphones down. If you feel like you're screaming in your own ear, I could turn your headphones volume down. No, How's that sound? I'm okay. It's okay. A, yeah. I'll leave it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because good, because you don't, because when you hear yourself, you're like, all right, is this my doofy voice or is this my professional voice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm right? good. I, I'm, yeah. I am total, I am a total doof, uh, uh, a goof or whatever, but. And I can hear myself all of a sudden. I got my game face on. So. Yeah. So, in terms of what you're saying, first of all, uh, support group collectively an LA volleyball club by the parents is, is amazing. Yeah. You you want to have a, as little a relationship as you can because you're making it about the kids. But yeah. um, Jason has given me the autonomy to take that chance mm-hmm. and, and be closer to the parents mm-hmm. because it can work against you. But in so many ways, it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. And in the instances it worked against me, those people were. Um, not a match anyway. not a right fit no. yeah and in my experience i don't i i, I don't hide people's um weaknesses I, 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 it sh- with me um it's at some point it's going to show who you are mm-hmm. and, and those people leave they leave and if they stay they stay or whatever but at the end of the season they're like jesus i get you and if you're lucky enough to move up with that age group then mm-hmm. then that problem dwindles a lot more because they're like i don't i don't get it mm-hmm. you know you know the cool thing is like the parents that do get it are the ones that give you the least trouble. Yep. Uh, my last year at Evolution, it was a COVID year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, Duncan Avery, who's the program director, is like, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. This is the weakest team um, you've had the five years here. So, mm-hmm. And he's like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? They're all weak, man. I've, I've my life, I spent my whole life doing more with less. But we ended up having to have practices in the beach. We didn't have indoor practice. And skill set, they needed the indoor. Mm-hmm. This team, more than any team I've ever coached, needed the indoor practice. Mm-hmm. And the whole time the parents are picking up, man, I'm like, I have this inferiority complex. Like, I hope these parents don't not think I don't know what the heck I'm doing because they're, they're because their volleyball growth has slowed down, has mm-hmm. stunted. And then I'm like, Sarah Stratton, the setter's mom mm-hmm. in the Olympics, mm-hmm. Australia for mm-hmm. her country. Mm-hmm. Um, Donovan Ivy, his uncle's Brian Ivy, who played at USC and, and two Olympics, his uncle and his father played with Brian at USC. And they are just chill as hell. And the thing I liked about those parents, they look at you and they sometimes they listen to what you're saying um, and they hear you're saying and they, they see, even if the drill, they, they've never seen that before, they see how you do it and they're like, nah, my kid's in good shape. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the point I was trying to make is the people that think they know more about the sport, um, that think they do are the ones that give you the bigger problems and the ones yeah. that actually do yeah. know more, or, as much or more about the sport. Or the ones who can admit they know nothing, right? Yeah. Those are those are also the parents that have been really supportive. It's mm-hmm. like, I know nothing. Yeah. My kid trusts you. My kid believes in you as their yeah. coach. So I believe in you as their coach, right? And so that's like the best thing that I've experienced because with a lot of these players that we have at our club, I don't think any of our players come from a parent that's played high level volleyball. Right. 
So, so you know, <laughs> right? if you really think about it, we're raising a new generation of volleyball players. And how? And and houses and families, mm. volleyball families, and so they're they're kind of being introduced to this super small volleyball community um, because no matter how big volleyball gets, it's still really small. It um, really is, dude. Yeah. So it's 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 been interesting dealing with parents and you know. To me, the hardest thing about coaching young players is having to get those parents to believe in you just as much as the kids believe yeah. in you. Because at the end of the day, the parents are the ones making the decisions. They are the ones writing the check at the beginning of season. Yeah. Um, they are the ones shepherding their daughter to go to either this club or this club, go to this training or this training, take up the extra work, take privates, right? Those are all decisions that involve parents. So um, it's super, super important to have you know that good support group not just for the players but for the staff as well isn't it cool having a parent in the beginning of the seasons like that's like i don't know what's going on why is the game stopped in this and that and at the end of the season they're looking at the other parents like why wasn't that a double <laughs> you yeah. know? i'm yeah. like oh my god they learned they're yeah. invested in their kid where they came out their volleyball iq <laughs> their parents iq took a spike <laughs> yeah and it's so it's so awesome to see that because i have a couple dads on my flow one team that have just completely turned into volleyball nerds and yeah. it's we did it yeah you did it. <laughs> and i love that because Programmed. exactly i love that because it actually takes me back to my childhood and my own dad and um, obviously I've been playing volleyball since I was six years old. So my dad's been around it for what, 18 years now, yeah. 19. Um, and so he turned from knowing little volleyball knowledge to now knowing enough knowledge to be coaching young 10 year olds very efficiently. So is that how um, you got into it? Uh, just volleyball family? Yeah. 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 Um, my dad was a basketball player. He was a played basketball at University of Hawaii. Okay. Um, walked onto the basketball team. Um, and wow, stud. So he, he, you know, he worked really hard. Um, and and that's where you know, for me, he couldn't coach me much in volleyball at the beginning, but he coached me in how to work hard, mm. and and how to be an athlete. Right. So that that was something that he brought into my life that now I'm seeing when I'm coaching these girls and I see their dads pushing them, taking them to workouts. Hey, you got to do this. Hey, look at this film. I don't know much, but I know this is not what it's supposed to look like, yeah. right? Uh, because I'm watching college volleyball every weekend. So I know this is not what it's supposed to look like, right? So um, it's really cool to see the girls have the same experiences that we've had as, as players yeah. and our childhood experiences. So yeah. It's really awesome. I am. Um, yeah. And it's so weird because when you want to talk to someone about volleyball after a game and someone has questions or maybe they want to give you their wisdom, you're only willing to listen to your peers that you know that know you mm -hmm. because if you know them, you know their IQ in the game. And they're mm -hmm. like, all right, cool. So it's that kind of, it's the dichotomy of that person or the person that doesn't know anything about the sport, mm -hmm. like fresh eyes mm -hmm. that just knows what something's supposed to look like, mm -hmm. right? Like, for example, in the men's Olympics, mm -hmm. the, like the USA lost to Argentina 3-0. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with someone who's never played the sport mm -hmm. saying, if you miss 14 times, you're probably not going to win that game. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone should go to that person and be like, oh, if you never played the game, you don't understand. Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. Because uh -uh, on that level, he's talking. 
mm-hmm. on the level he's talking is not high level volleyball. That's a very simple statement with yeah. a heightened level of truth to it. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk on our level, is this team in system so good that if we serve lollipops, we're going to get licked? Yeah. You know, right, we we right? yep. we we got to do what we got to do, and we got to live and die by to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's knowing your opponent, but more importantly, how about knowing yourself? Mm-hmm. You and I w- watch enough volleyball to know that um, Italy that that year in that Olympics mm-hmm. can miss fourteen times and still win. Mm-hmm. Um, Russia, they live and die by the serve. They they have as many as twenty a game, and and they can win by three 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 zero four one or whatever. Um, knowing your team, knowing the U.S. team was not as strong. You can't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. Yeah. And, and and when I said that, I got so much blowback. Oh, look at this guy. He's only a high school coach. And I'm like, man, first do a Google search or something, man. Yeah. My last name's not hard. Do a Google search on who are who you're really talking to yeah. first. But second, that's not an unfair criticism. No. You know? I didn't criticize the players. In fact, DeFalco, mm-hmm. who who got his first big, big experience getting roofed off the court. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite player. The mm-hmm. guy that had a chip on his shoulder from Long Beach State, yep. thought he's going to go to Olympics and Just beat the world, got, but got housed by yeah. the Brazilians and kept swinging yep. and kept like a like a freaking stud. Yeah. Like a, and now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm fired up now. But like a stud. Okay, fine. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to redden up them forearms, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so people have to look at things objectively and who it's coming from yeah. and the why, right? Yeah. So, and that's so cool that we went from the parents to to other people who talk about the sport or talk about yeah. your style of coaching and this and that. Yeah. So, let, before we get in depth, we're gonna do a one minute lightning round, okay? Um, I'm, I'm gonna put a minute on the board. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. <laughs> oh, there you go. So let's do that. Ah, boom. There's a minute. You have 60 seconds. And I want you to teach. This is from the neck down. Fundamentals. Mm -hmm. All right. Not not the mental approach. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the three easiest fundamentals to teach? And and, uh, and at the juniors level, what's what are. No, let's do two. Two fundamentals. I guess be it setting, blocking, digging, mm-hmm. hitting, serving, yeah, uh, um, passing, whatever. There's six six fundamentals. What are what are two easiest ones easiest ones to teach at the juniors level? Uh, you got sixty seconds. Yeah, I'm gonna do the two hardest ones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I actually go. think it varies. And Sorry. go. I actually think it varies per gender because I've been coaching both with really young kids. But I think if you're looking at the women's side or the girls' side of things. Uh, I think passing is usually pretty pretty simple, um, especially with just a simple hold at the end. Yeah, um, we're, we're we're about that hold. Yeah, 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 that hold. Um, and then I also think that um, probably the next one would be hitting. If I was to think really think about it, setting to me is probably one of the hardest. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the hard thing with hitting with girls is girls don't like to miss hard. So that's where that's where I mean hitting it gets kind of hard too when you're first learning mm-hmm. it because they're afraid to hit the back wall. Nice, right? So then when they're missing, they're missing in the net over and over and over. What about a second hard thing? You got ten seconds left because uh, we could do easy and hard. I think another hard thing is probably at the youth level serving, just because they're trying to figure out how to get their power into that ball. 
Yeah, you know what? Um, my 60 seconds. So, I feel like Eminem from 8 Mile, man. You said the rap song like everything you were supposed to say about me. So, when it's my turn, I got to drop the mic. I got Eminem's. All right. So, the first thing I think is 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 the pass. Yeah. Down ball, free ball, lob, stuff like that yeah. and this and that. Putting your forearms out, rinse, repeat. Teach yeah. kids how to hold. Because yeah. when kids learn how to hold, they can hit the rewind button and, and figure out how they got there. Mm-hmm. So, if they missed it, they, they the hold dictates yeah. how they got there. Was I facing the, the whatever? Was I facing my angle? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, the second thing that's easy to teach is the dig, because in someone said a pass, digging hard, driven balls, yeah. and the, the more you move the speed of the ball consistently, the more their their matrix readjusts and get used to the speed, and they're not scared anymore. They're mm-hmm. scared enough at that first two. Now, with that being said, the hardest two, um, one is the serve, yeah, because understanding that you don't uh, uh, even at our level, mm-hmm. you. you you don't have to ace a team to beat them Mm-mm. or just just find a consistency in mm-hmm. this and that and this is generation y and sometimes you have to prepare them and explain the whole why and this and that and then sometimes they just got to do what you say do okay i mean you got five seconds to serve i ain't got time for the why yeah you know throw yeah. it up get a replay still ain't got time to tell you the why yeah. um and that last fundamental i will go with setting and I tell my kids the same thing you and I are going to tell every club coach listening to this. Setting is like push-ups. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to get better at push-ups? You just got to do it. To do yeah. push-ups. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, we talked a little bit about club challenges. Mm-hmm. All right. What is the one of the bigger challenges you have to deal with Um as balancing your time as an assistant program director and a coach. And one of the things that you feel like, if I'm not on point here, it's, it's going to smack me. <laughs> you know, it's going to, I'm, I'm a loser in my peripherals and it's going to smack me in the mouth. Um, I hope I'm specific enough about that question. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So I'm within the last few years, I think I've learned a lot, um, even just from the administrative side or even from the, team management side of coaching because as a player and as a person who's just been around volleyball you know the playing part right you Mm. know how to get the team to play it's it's the part where you're you need to micromanage hey what are are my athletes coming in on time are the parents aware of what's going on can i am i communicating enough with the parents to where they don't feel like everything is last minute or everything is not um you know, they feel kind of in the dark or even like some of the other challenges I would say is even just balancing as a coach and an administrator at the same time is how much time do I spend building this team that I'm coaching and how much time do I spend building this club, right? Because uh, if you give one more than the other, the other one starts to suffer. So it's trying to find the balance in between. Um, And I think you know, every year we learn something new. Every time, you know, there there seems to come a challenge. I, I am very open to the feedback, especially administratively, because I've never done this before. So when parents are like, hey, it'd be nice to have this, I'm like, okay, fully on board. Let's see if we can make it happen, right? Um, or, you know, maybe a player leaves us and, and out on her way out the door tells us, oh, this is why it left. Well, I'm going to make sure that none of the other players can say it as they if they ever do walk out right. the door. Yeah. So um, I think that's where where it's 
it starts to get a little difficult because at the same time, when you're running a club, you don't want to give so much power to the parents where they're they're starting to control everything. Is is that something that you feel happens residually throughout the season, or does it wane as the season goes along? I think, I think it it happens gradually, but where I see it happen most is actually in the off season. <laughs> where where yeah <laughs> where where they there there's the the commitment letter there there the letter they sign with SCBA <laughs> at the beginning of season is no longer valid mm-hmm. right the moment that last ball drops at your your postseason tournament they're free to do whatever they want yeah until they sign another letter okay right and so to me that's kind of where it gets a little challenging because you know are they are they honest with me in terms of are they going to train at other clubs? Are they interested in going to other clubs? Um, and if they are, why? Right? Do you feel like you're not getting something from me that you're getting from somewhere else? Um, so there's all those those things that that go into that kind of I call it like a mind game <laughs> that happens in the off season. Um, and you know sometimes you can even tell when you're coaching a kid in privates every week of the summer, and then all of a sudden she's not receiving your feedback as well as she did a week ago. Right. Then as a coach, your bell goes off going, is she training somewhere else? Yeah. Why is she not buying into what I'm saying anymore mm-hmm. when I've been coaching her for two years, right? So all those things um, you know, can be really hard in terms of just looking at it from an administrative perspective yep. and, and wanting that return of players because as a club administratively and business-wise you need that return absolutely right so if you're yep. not having that return you're you're failing as a club or as a business mm-hmm. right so so that's that's you know that's kind of that mind game that happens in the summers that i've seen more often than in in the middle of season because what happens a lot of times is there are those feelings throughout the season, but a lot of them just keep it to themselves. Right. Because they don't want it to hinder what happens with playing time, with with how the coach sees you, all this kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, it, it gets really challenging in the summer sometimes. Well, I have another question, but I want to caveat. Brian McDermott, who's a club coach, uh, Progression Beach Volleyball in Chicago. Yeah. It's one of the only um, indoor uh, beach facilities. I think certainly one of one of only two indoor clubs for beach. And and, the, and since it's all season round, mm-hmm. he um, and whatever de facto patches or all season they have, he encourages kids to play with other people because yeah. when you're confident in your own ability as a coach, he's mm-hmm. like, I'll take the Pepsi challenge. Go right. ahead, try that. You know, yeah. or, 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 or um, Crazy Eddie, his prices are insane. This this electronic store back in the end. Go find the lowest prices you can find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and Crazy Eddie will beat them. And I think as you, because you're a fourth year coach in this club, right? Uh, uh, um, I Yes, this is my fourth year. This is yes. your fourth year. So as you continue to do it, like in the summertime, sure, I encourage you. In yeah. fact, I know that coach. Do that, do yeah. that. They, if kids feel like they're not being intimidated and bullied into staying into a program, yeah, um, which is why some kids leave and you don't know why, yeah, because they're are coaches that are strong personalities, right? right. And this, and they, the kid feels like they don't have a voice or or what matters to them and this and that, and they're just being told what they do and and. And you as a club player growing up, right, right? Mm-hmm. You've had some hard coaches and some yeah. coaches that are whatever and this and that. And 
I don't know. I think there's a thin line between just kids seeing, uh, accepting something's not fair, mm-hmm. uh, but understands that this is this is the way it goes. Yeah. And and a kid not getting a full experience out of it. That's, yeah. that's a very thin line. Yeah, and it's hard too because, like you said, I actually <clears throat> don't mind if my players train at other places over the summer. Yeah. The issue is is there's other coaches out there who will promise kids things. And and that's where mm. it gets really hard because I as a coach cannot it will not sit right with me to no. promise a child something that I know I cannot deliver. You can only promise good coaching. And, and that's it. As a coach, you cannot if you're promising a child something as a coach, mm-hmm. you're you're not you're you're lying i'm sorry but it's it's like you because no matter what happens right my setter that i have on my 14s right on flow one she's one of the best setters in the country I, but i'm not going to promise her that she's going to play every start every single game of the season right because i don't know what's going to happen no right so that's where you know it gets really tough it's like a shark pit in the summer yeah. right it's it's well, it's because of the sharks that swim in it. Yes. I yes. mean, I, I'm we, right now. We're in Hermosa Beach. Yeah. Trust me, I know. Yeah. I mean, you, if if you want me to start out in some clubs or whatever, not 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 the club we're rivaling with, but like on a general level, <laughs> I mean, we got enough time. I I can call them all out because I, I honest at this point, I just I don't care. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't need someone's validation if they don't affect my bottom line. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more. I don't know. But anyway, I think you're right. And I think if you can take the emotional part out of it, right? Like, here's the general thing. And I I sound like I'm stuttering, but I'm getting somewhere with this. You're a club coach. You put all this time and effort, right? And you watch this kid grow um, in the the game of volleyball, grow psychologically. And I just said it, grow physically, right? She's Mm -hmm. a little taller, a little stronger, more powerful. You know, you got to do a jump training, a little bit in the weight room. Of course, there's the box. There's the stadium stairs or the bleacher stairs. And then they just leave. So there is this emotional thing where you're like, I just invested all this time in this kid and they just up and left. And it's really, really hard to compartmentalize and say that's an emotion and that and 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 it's and it doesn't help. And it only hurts. Yeah. To have that into your sentiment and your reaction. to that. I'll say that again for the camera. It doesn't help. And it only hurts. It only hurts because it only makes you close the door all the way. Yeah. You know, and that's not good for your reputation either. Yeah. Right. Who wants to be who wants their reputation to be that? Yeah. And you know what? Jason Olive gave me some great advice because Mm. this past summer was the first time I've experienced girls that have been with me since they were 10 years old up and leave with no communication prior. And for me, like I said, like I have the big like one thing that I'm proud of myself for is I have a huge heart. And so with that I had all these emotions going on um, and, you know, Jason Olive told me as a coach, yes, you want to be invested in the player, but you want to be more invested in their progress than you are as in, in them as a person, right? Which I completely understand and completely see the value in that. It's just so hard for no. me because when I look at when I look at these players, I see me. I wrote that down. Right? I, see, I wrote that down, actually. Yeah. <laughs> when I see these players, mm-hmm. I see where I was at that age. I see 
what I was going through at that age. I see what volleyball did for me at that age. And so it's like, there's this part of me where I'm trying to find the balance between holding on to their progress and, and that being my, my complete motivation and also going, but I care for these girls like they're my sisters. I have two younger sisters. I have one that's younger than the girls I coach. Mm-hmm. My youngest sister is 11. And so I see these girls. I see my sisters. I see my cousins. I see all of that stuff. So, you know, I'm still trying to find the balance in between it. But, um, you know, that's where I – but I also think that that's what – makes me a good coach at times is because I care about what happens when they walk out the door at the gym. I care about what's happening. Is everything okay at home? I ask them all the time. Is everything okay at home? Is everything okay at school? Are you emotionally okay? Yeah. Well, that's your strength and your weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Didn't we have that conversation about your greatest strength and your greatest weakness are the same thing. Yeah. Um, For Jason to tell you that Mm -hmm. is also a testament to, um, where he needed to mature yeah for jason to tell you that mm-hmm. what he told you mm-hmm. i mean when you were when you were telling me and i'm listening i'm like what that's the pot calling a kettle black you know uh, um but for jason to say that shows the um um because jason um has a chip on his shoulder i have a chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. we're 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 um we're borderline cocky in what we believe in mm-hmm. but so for him to do that shows where he's matured as a program director yeah. and look we had the three of us had this conversation together that we're not going to share in the podcast because not everything is everyone's business <laughs> yes. but but the conversation in the podcast uh, uh, not in the podcast that we had mm-hmm. uh, and the strengths that we brought into that really helped bring us back mm-hmm. um i will toot my own horn because i've been doing this for so long mm-hmm. that those emotional moments yeah. some, they get so normal that I can, and I'm also not in the middle of that situation, that I can be like, yo, I understand how you're feeling, but don't say or do anything that's going to close the door all the way. Yeah. Right? These people want to go to other clubs. Yeah. Uh, maybe using our club as an example, right? There's a little bit of an exodus, so yeah. we'll, we'll just be explicit about that. Yeah. Uh, um, these people go to other clubs, but if if we are who we say we are, at some point they're going to, they're going to want to come back. Yeah. But if you, if you rain scorched earth mm-hmm. and you close the door all the way, they can't. Yeah. They can't come back. Yeah, uh, and I'm very whatever. I'm proud of myself for being in this club because I've been doing this for so long. Yeah, uh, and at the collegiate level, you get your recruits stolen all the time. Yeah, you know, um, in New York at the Division three level, it's a two horse race. It's Baruch College mm-hmm. and Hunter College. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I was a head coach at City. You know, kids, kids commit. They want to come to City. Boom! Next, you know, they're they're at Hunter. They're they're whatever. And, and and you see it in the club scene too, right? Yeah, you'll see. Kids from Evolution, uh, we practice out of Redondo High School, so yeah. basically all of the kids who don't make SCVC and the other clubs uh, um, play for us. Yeah, You coach them up. Tom Chaffins is an amazing coach. He's a Redondo coach. Uh, um, Kevin Norman, who's the boys coach, good coach. I'd like to think I'm good. Duncan Avery, longtime coach and assistant at Long Beach State. And, and these kids get good, and but their, their wish and their dream the whole time is to be like, I want to be on that club. And if I'm good enough, I can't wait to switch. Yeah. You know, and what we're trying to show people, if you put half of the effort into this club, as you are trying to switch out, you can go from a person who once aspired to be part of what something else was mm-hmm. to someone that's that says, wait, I got this. This belongs to me. I'm just as good as I'm and I'm going to be better. Mm-hmm. 
wait a second, I can leave, I can leave my own legacy mm-hmm. and continue something because this is what LA Volleyball Club is doing right yeah. now. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. Four years, you guys. I mean, that tournament we won like two goals and a silver. Four yeah. years. Uh, um. So, and I think. I think you cracked the code. You're 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 mad young, and I'm not gonna talk about your age because that's not everybody's business either, right? I'm old school. I don't talk about a woman's weight, or a woman's age. But you you figured that out so early that this isn't gonna make you an old lady. Yeah, I'm good for you because I've you. seen some girls who return in the old ladies be uh, uh, this, this this and that. I have a quick question I want to throw in there. Yeah. You talk cuz you talked we talked about Kaya the mm-hmm. or the setter mm-hmm. a couple of times. Do you live vicar as a former setter? Do you live um vicariously through her? I think specifically with her the crazy thing is <laughs> She's going to listen to this. Huh? You know, I got to yeah, choose the your crazy, answer. No, the crazy thing is she looks even like she has the same built I have. And, and I'll tell you, being a setter with that built comes with a lot of backlash. Yeah. And how many times have I been told I'm not strong enough uh-huh. to start, right? How many times I've been told I'm a little more lanky, so I'm not as solid, so I can't start, right? So, so with her, I'm seeing her and I'm going, no, you can do this. We just have to create your own style, right? Because if you look at every Olympic setter, they all have their own styles. Their hands are the only thing that's pretty much the same. Yeah. But in terms of the way they move, the way their footwork is, the way they get up and they jump set, some jump set with one leg up, some jump set with both legs straight, yeah. right? All those little details. And so when, when I see people coaching, especially setting, and it's so black and white, I'm like, but that's not going to work for everybody. Yeah. That's not going to work for a 5'10 lanky setter who's got the smoothest hands ever and who's got an IQ that's setting IQ specifically beyond her years that, you know, when she's coming all the way to the left side of the court, she hears her middle and sets the middle. Right. And the middle has no block. Yeah. Right. Or she's pulling to maybe the center of the court and she sees the, the, the blockers follow her and she's shoving it all the way to the red. Right. Yeah. And, and not to mention being a pariah I'm um, hitting on two at the front. Yeah. At the front. No, uh, and, that presents a bigger problem. And the thing with that, too, is like, you know, <clears throat> if you look at all the other setters in, in the those top 12 teams in Southern California at that age, they look super athletic right super athletic they're they're jump setting everything but if you look at the decision making it's 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 not as apparent right Right. and so for me you know the i guess yes i do live through her in a sense of i know what it's like to have that kind of physicality and have people look over you because of that physicality and not see everything else that you're doing right right? not see that oh yeah okay i may not be as strong as the other setter on my team but i'm getting one-on-one blocks on almost every swing i mean what more i mean what more could you ask for other than no blocks you know or or, i mean right yeah i know so you know yeah that's 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 where you know i i look at her and i live through her in that sense of like i know what it's like to be that type of setter do your peers tell you that when they see her play 
Do you have friends that watch your games that, do, that, that, really... that are like that, that 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 look at Kai and be like, "Oh my God, that girl's got Kamala's fingerprints all over her." Well, you know the only <clears throat> volleyball friends that have seen She's my like, I don't team. Have friends, well, Jason. No, the only volleyball <laughs> friends that have seen my teams play are friends that have seen me play in college. So that's their that's their last like yeah. that's that's their only comparison. Whereas yeah. you know when I'm talking about this girl, I'm. <clears throat> I'm comparing her to when I was that age. Right. right? I, I only ask because um, I've know, I've gotten to know you well enough. Yeah. And we, we messed around over the summer, right? We'll have some, some games where we're just going to the gym and we'll set each other and this yeah. and that. And I see things physically. Yeah. That Kaya does that that you that I, I saw you do in this small sample size. Yeah, you know, and I don't know you that well, of course, but I see this, but I know this game, mm-hmm. and I know, and I and I can measure tendencies, mm-hmm. and like five minutes of playing because <clears throat> at the level I had to play and you know I mean um you, you don't have video I mean back yeah. then I didn't have a lot of video in it and you had to measure them and mm-hmm. you know trade side out until you figure it out but I've seen you do like your tip on two hers um keeping the mood light people looking at your face and they see someone that's not <clears throat> um too intense that's not happy or sad though you're more on the happier side than whatever but i think i think because you grit your teeth a certain way it looks like you're just having a good time out yeah. there and well, like, i am oh. having a good yeah. time yeah <laughs> oh sorry it is always okay i'm yeah. like why is this chick, I'm playing volleyball, is this chick I'm smiling all the time <laughs> so no but kaya's got a little bit of that not too uh, um not too emotionally high not too emotionally low thing and that's important for volleyball because we had a conversation about big waves crashing mm-hmm. for the audience listening at home because we oh you know we're sitting here having a conversation but we we owe it to a lot of people to clarify what we're talking about a lot of coaches believe for every five points you get emotionally high you're probably going to give up eight or nine on the low because just like a video game those versus more video games where there's a up a low and a load up and a load down mm-hmm. um that volleyball's like that so we as players we try to keep our waves smaller mm-hmm. big waves uh, so big waves crash mm-hmm. small waves go from peer to peer mm-hmm uh, and if you anything you'd like to say on that, <laughs> elaborate yeah. on that. The floor is yours. Yeah, no, I think I see it with my players all the time. The very ones who get super, super excited or not. And I'm not talking about like in between plays. I'm talking like you can see before the serve even happens and they're receiving, they're already like ready to fire, right? Those exact players, when things are going tough, are the ones that are crashing, right? So... It's, it's I mean, that. We, we've seen some exceptions. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, of course. But let's, we're getting course. to exceptions in a yeah. minute. Finish what you're saying. Yeah, so, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, that emotional stability is something that I think, especially in the setter position where everyone's looking to you, your passers are looking to you, your hitters are looking to you, and you're that going in between, and I'm such a believer in energy and in vibrations and um, all the woo-woo stuff that, that people would consider, but out here in Southern California, considered normal. So um, I think this being the setter and having that ball consistently go through you, there's you're kind of like this energy portal for the team. Right. So if if you're way up there. When your team doesn't need someone to be way up there, that can hurt. Right. If you're way down there when your team is way down there, then that can hurt as well. Right. Right. So. I think especially being a setter, you have that emotional stability to keep the rest of your team emotionally mm. stable, 
right? Yeah. Because they are, there are going to be those people on your team that want to go up or want to go down. Right. So as long as you have kind of become that rock for your team emotionally as a setter, then that kind of helps the rest of their team kind of gather around you a little bit right. um, and, yep. and rally around you and really lean on you as, as a player. Okay, because this podcast is like beach volleyball, have you? I'll give you an example of um, someone that navigates his emotions really well. Trevor Crabb, mm-hmm. uh, previously on the podcast, he'll get like a block thrown down. He'll do like a little stare down or whatever and this and that. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll go to the crowd and be like, like you know, like if the crowd's booing him, he's like, that. that's it. That's mm-hmm. the best you could do. Uh, and then when he's done, yeah, re- hits the rewind button, catches that, reels in that fish, catches the fish, mm-hmm. takes a picture with the fish. Uh, um, he's really, really good at that. Now, now an example of someone, the rare occasion, yeah, of someone who's emotionally high, and stays that way. Yeah, Fallon Funo Moana. Mm-hmm. Fallon Funo Moana is fire. Mm-hmm. Let's go! Boom! She's at the net. She's still. She didn't even take a breath, and she. I've seen her do that from bell to bell, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "Oh, that makes her tired. She looks tired." I'm like, "Show me where." Yeah. Okay. She's all right. She, show me where. Where's the evidence that she's tired? Where's yeah. the evidence that you saw her uh, uh, one step behind Donna play? Cause she. Yeah. Cause she. No, she's a unicorn. Yeah. And we need to take her to the lab and and under and dissect this little this yeah. frog and, and 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 understand how it works. Yeah. Because. Because that's a rare person. Coaches, we don't do that. We no. we shy away from that because yeah. those, I don't even know that that person exists anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you you played in Northridge, right? Yes. You had you had someone on your team that was like that, right? Did you have someone that yes. was really really high? Yes. And that was able to to navigate that. Yes. You know. Yeah. But how important is that in sixes when you're like that and you need five other girls to have your back? Yeah. Do you see how it's more significant yeah. in sixes? Yeah. Yeah, and I think. To it's like I there's been times where you know as a right in indoor where it's six people I think you have to lean on whatever energy you need in the moment right so if you have that teammate who's a little more stoic a little more calm and that's what your team needs right now that's what you lean on right if if you have a teammate who is super super that that unicorn that you're talking about right if you the rest of your team is struggling in that sense lean on that person have that person pick you up and start dancing with you in the middle of in the middle of the game i've had teammates like that where you know they're literally forcing our little huddle to like do these what in looking on the outside in you're probably like they look so stupid doing that but in the moment it's getting us hyped up it's getting us that energy that we need so you know I think in a in a six man situation you want to lean on whichever energy you need and sometimes a lot of or a lot of times that fiery energy is something that you need from hitters right especially hitters so if if you have that person in the hitting position I think you lean on that as a setter I would feed her all day if she if she was on top of the world all the time and just going and just ripping all the time I would feed her all the day all day I mean right I would feed her all day and like because a point is a point yes essentially right but when your outside is scoring because she tipped to the center of the court and it drops versus your outside is going and just ripping down maybe right. in the seam of the block and just ripping center court mm-hmm. the energy after the play is just different it is right so so you, there's you know there's situations where um that that in the six man situation is so so important because you yeah. need someone to rip. I mean, how many times have I told my players this past weekend? I know you can score 
by tipping. Yeah, so, but, but save the, the bar. save the tips for the waiters yeah. on this one. <laughs> rip the bar. I'm like, we're not in a restaurant. Why? Yeah. <laughs> and she's not a waiter. We yeah. ain't gotta be doing that. Yeah. yeah, I'm like this team needs to get excited. Go up there and rip the ball. But I would also suggest that like those energy levels might be, um, and we're still we're just exploring this. We're yeah. thinking out loud, giving each other permission. Um, it's specific, uh, position specific. Yeah. When I played outside hitter, I mm-hmm. played in Germany professionally. Mm-hmm. And you've seen me play pickup. Mm-hmm. You've seen my energy oh, with yeah. the music. And from bell to bell, from beginning yeah. all the way to the last play, yeah. that energy's the same. Because yeah. I, I, I'm the re- I'm talking about myself a little bit, I'm a, yeah. but I was at Unicorn. Yeah. Um, and I've had friends that see me play outside hitter and I'm galvanizing and the crowd takes, you know, you allow, and if you allow the crowd to take the journey with you, mm-hmm. man, they can oh, carry you on that so way. Oh my God. Like Trevor. He said he was like Hulk Hogan, man. He draws the energy from the crowd. He's hulking up. Uh, um, but then when I became a setter, everybody's like, that's not Jason. <laughs> like, I was quiet as a mouse. I would get a roof. Mm-hmm. I'm a 6'1 guy getting a roof on like a 6'7 dude, one-on-one, right? You know, in mm-hmm. system coverage. And I'll land and I'll go, you know, like this and shake hands yeah. with my team. And everybody's like... You're not going to say that? You're yeah. not going to be like, go home? <laughs> That's Who are you? That's yeah. not the Jason I know. Yeah. And, and it was, and the reason, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing, I'm only bringing this up because it just allows us to explore and, and the audience listening uh, on, on this relatable yeah. issue. Uh, and, and you guys reach out to me who's listening. Uh, is the emotional wave for indoor volleyball position specific? We just stumbled onto a good question. Yeah, and it's funny um, because you know this topic is always so interesting to me because when I when I scroll through TikToks or Instagram Reels, um, I have a few volleyball content creators that come up on my my feed, and um, and it's so funny when I see those TikToks of like the personalities of each position. Because in a sense, you watch those and, or even there's memes out there like that and you watch those and it's it's so accurate. You you know, you, you look to every team that you've been on and you're like, yes, my libero was just always a tad bit crazy, right? Just a tad bit crazy. My setter was always so like just everyone's friend and was the nice and just was cool with everybody. And the hitters were always the one that just wanted to rip the middles. Uh, you know, it's so interesting to see those because I think they're so relatable. But then it also goes back to, I think every position carries a certain type of energy. So it's not so much that that's their personality, but maybe that's the court personality needed. Right. And I think that's also something where people need to be really, really careful with too, right? Like if someone sees, um, like Penn State had this libero from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. It, um I have a friend, Rafael Deval, it was, it was, it was his nephew. Um, so I was following Penn State Avidly that year, including the year they won the championship in 2008. Fiery dude all the time, serve, receive, mm-hmm. draws a line in the sand. I dare you to serve me. I dare you to, I dare you to, to, to put, try to put any ball within a 10-foot radius of me. I'm mm-hmm. covering 10 feet this way, covering 10 feet that way. You got a decision to make. And, and some people see that. And they try to mimic that because they think it will bring them the same success as them, right? And and I guess that's why we as coaches, we, we really don't 
coach personnel uh, uh, try to coach their personality mm-hmm. because their personality is still developing mm-hmm. and, and these kids need to understand like if I do it the same way that Puerto Rican do it am I going to get aced off the court mm-hmm. right you know like uh, you had a libero that had a bad weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> right I mean she's she's the best passer that I, I've seen in this side of the country and last weekend I think the coaches were like yeah. <laughs> that, serve that girl with the de- <laughs> the yes. coaches tugging the jersey saying serve her yeah. so is it is it about like that demeanor and that cool headedness that brings you to the table, or is it that fire where it's like your Revis Island? Uh, yeah. um, this is a football reference. There was a New York Jet cornerback called Daryl Revis mm-hmm. that basically took a whole side of the field. You didn't want to throw on his side of the field mm-hmm. like Deion Sanders because you know you you do somewhere else yeah. because he was proud of his island mm-hmm. and. And that's the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are you one of those guys that that takes great pride in your island and it's personal to you, and you, and you have the uh, the wherewithal to handle that, yeah, emotionally, yeah. Or is it just I got another bad pass, then another bad pass, yeah. and another bad pass? Yeah. I want to talk to you about quicksand, but I want you to chime in on this first. Okay. Yeah, I I definitely think you know it's tough with these girls because again they're they're in middle school that's kind of the age i'm coaching right now is Mm -hmm. even my younger team there's fifth grade sixth grade and so they're trying to not only to develop personality but also self-identity right so they're trying to figure out all these things they're going through changes in their bodies at the same time so i feel like from a coaching perspective all i can do with these players is hey this is the mindset you need to play this position if this is the position you want to play for the rest of your life, you need to change your mindset, right? I'm not telling you to change your personality. I'm not telling you you have to be like this when you walk out the gym, right? And and it's interesting, too, because I, you know, I have a DS right now who's probably, this is her second year of club volleyball, so very new, right? And She's so good. she is amazing and has come so far, but again, is missing that mindset right that 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 ds libero mindset and and so i think i think where she's struggling right now is where it's beyond her personality right so what i what i try to coach with these girls is hey i know this is not your personality i know this is not who you are outside this gym but that doesn't mean that can't be who you are the moment you step on this court right i mean if you think of a lot of the basketball players the nba players who create these personas on the court mm-hmm right? Kobe's even created a persona on the court, right? That's his um, black mama, right? That's, that's the mama mentality. That's, that's the, that's his, his right. thought process, right? So, so when I'm coaching these girls, I, I love to use those basketball players as an example going, you know, this may not be who they are off the court, but listen, this is who they are on the court. The moment you step into this gym, you got to be somebody else. You if, belong to them. Yeah. yeah. If if that person outside of the gym is not working in the gym, if that personality is not working for you in that position, create another personality, right? And and it's it's interesting because I think at least from my own experience of playing, as you continue to play this game, those two personalities start to blend. They really do. Yeah. The, and. And managing them is the key, right? Because if you think volleyball is who you are, they, that people think that your personality is supposed to come with a package. Yeah. And that's always going to be the challenge uh, yeah. with that. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about quicksand, but we're still, no, we're still here. 
when I was coaching, when I first, my first position, I was a blocking coach. I was, um, how did I get the job? I was sleeping with a head coach, so she hired me. Uh, um, but I brought in a whole bunch of people with me. Uh, my Central Park people who were, you know, some of them were former college players. In fact, I, I recruited some of them to play college that first year because they, they didn't have a club team. We had to build this NCAA program from the ground up. Mm -hmm. So I, I recruited my two best friends to play for me. Uh, um, so on the court, professional, like you said, uh, business, when we need to, wild, you know, whoop it up, we whooped it up. Mm -hmm. And then off the court, like the way we talk to each other at a barbecue or the way we talk to each other when we're playing spades mm -hmm. or we're like hanging out, singing karaoke. Right. Uh, those are two different people. So like people from the outside in would be like, oh, my God, those are two entirely different people. No, they're the same person. Yeah. They just have to be different to do their job. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know, like if you're a security guard and or you're at a reception desk and you're greeting people you can't talk to the people you're greeting the same way you talk to your uncle yeah. you know or your friend yeah. well you can't be like what's good yeah yeah <laughs> what's good yeah. where are you coming from <laughs> so it's not I, I i had to make sure we said that because it makes it look like people are wearing two different faces but and they are but not like that yeah i think in life to be successful you need to appease to mm. to all situations you need to be able to morph into what you need to in all situations granted i don't think that means you're not being who you are right. i just think you're being a different version of who you are you're you're leaning on different parts of yourself it's a comp uh personality compromise yeah all right um like for me, at some point, I, I really, really want to be a color commentator for Beach at, mm -hmm. at the highest level, whether mm -hmm. it's FIVB or AVP. Um, and I had a quote here. Oh, my God. I hope I can find it because I'm going to be I'm going to cry if I can't because I'm, I'm trying to get to a bigger point. <laughs> Everyone's waiting for the punchline. It's not there. It's <laughs> like, right. <laughs> How do you keep an idiot in suspense? <laughs> exactly. like that uh, um so but the quote was am i an outsider yes i'm considered that but it's not like i ever vied to be on the inside mm -hmm. um that has compromise and you have to consider if it's worth it and yeah. to me it's not yeah so that was a quote i had a couple of months ago mm -hmm. um, on my whatever and if it's worth it you will yeah you know and, and and you'll find out the compromise is not that bad after all. Yeah, and right? I think I think as long as you're not losing sight of the core of who you are, right? Then I mean I can I mean if I think about just my life in general, it's of course I've made adjustments here and there. If you I mean think about a CEO, a man who's a CEO of a huge company, he's not going to go home and be the CEO of his family. You know he might still have that leadership mentality when he's going home to his family but he's not you know taking that same personality he has at work and applying it to his family right so it's i mean maybe he is but someone needs to do like a sitcom just on yeah that. so you know I'm, i am home right yeah, i'm home now you know so it's I, I think as long as the core of who you are is always shining through mm -hmm. it's fine to to adjust your personality based off of your situation i want to okay cool i want to talk about um, quicksand. Mm -hmm. um, anyone that's ever watched the movie The Replacements, it's mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and basically the players are on strike. So, the replacement players are playing in the NFL and this and that. And people are booing them. But this team they kind of fell in love with and fell in love with a quarterback who was washed up. Mm -hmm. And 
the coach, it was Gene Hackman, was talking about fear. What are your fears? And everybody's like, oh, I fear, I'm scared of spiders. Oh, me too. Snakes. Oh, and this and that. And we're going to talk about our fears later on, uh, mm-hmm. like fun fears. Um, and Keanu Reeves, his character, uh, DeFalco, actually, or Falco, mm-hmm. um, talked about quicksand. And everybody's like, oh, my God, that's scary, sinking in quicksand. And he's like, um, that's, I don't think that's what he's talking about. Yeah. So it goes like this. And, and, and you see where I'm going with this. You're in the game. Um, let's say you're a libero, right? And you're passing and everything's going well. But then something goes wrong. I'm going to use it in volleyball terms, not something goes wrong. You shank a ball, right? Mm-hmm. Then you shank a ball the next play. And then you shank a ball the next play. And then you get a pass, but that pass held on by a threat. Mm-hmm. And the more you fight to, to get out of it, mm-hmm. to get out of the quicksand, the deeper you sink. Mm-hmm. Is very much like quicksand. If you fight more, you sink mm-hmm. until you find out you're in over your head. Yeah. Quicksand. Deep fear. And some players have it. Some players go through these patches and maybe you, you let them give up some points. And as a coach, right, um, you're like, do I take them out or do I um, let them let play them through this through patch it. and see them yeah. figure it out? Because that's a character builder too, yeah. right? Um, depending on your club, your situation. Is it a playoff game? What are the circumstances, yeah. right? Um. Give me something from one coach to another. How do you, and I'm not going to do a minute for this. If that's ridiculous. We can't do this in a minute because I have these minute rounds. Yeah. Um, quicksand. How do you help a kid through that? You know, one thing I'm starting to see more and more as I coach is, is, and I think it, it, I think it goes so deep. And so that's where it makes it such a big challenge. But when I see a player playing out of fear, um, and I saw it often this weekend, this past weekend with my team, um, I think that fear is coming from such a deeper place than most people realize. Um, there's even the fear of if I mess up, mom and dad aren't gonna love me anymore. Right? Yeah. Jesus. Like, and, and that, but that's like, that's the reality of, I know that's so aggressive, but that's the reality that a lot of these girls are, are doing. Oh, if I mess up, my team's going to be disappointed in me and they may not like me because we're all friends. All right. Oh, if I mess up, my coach isn't going to believe in me anymore. I've gone through that own fear, even at the collegiate level anymore. If I mess up right now, my coach will not believe that I can do this anymore. Right. And so I think the best way to to feed the fear is to to go the opposite. And and granted, it may not work in an instant. Right. Sometimes that fear is so overwhelming that it's probably not going to work in that game right then and there when they're feeling it. But because it is coming from such a deep place, then if you are able to combat it with to me, positive affirmations are, are worth more than somebody can even put a number on. If you can feed that player with that positive affirmations, like, what are you afraid of, right? Oh, I don't know. I'm afraid of t- making a mistake. Why? Wh- what, do you, what, do you, what do you think is going to happen when you make a mistake? Okay. Now, right? now you're getting somewhere. And then, oh. and then oh, well, you know, then we're going to lose. Okay, then what happens? I don't know. I'm sad that we lost. For how long? Oh, just for, I don't know, a few days? <laughs> a week? A week! 
<laughs> okay, then what? Then I'm over it. Okay, so really, what are you afraid of, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like, there's that aspect of it where I talk to these girls and I really try to break it down. Like, oh, we're afraid to lose. Why? What's, what's on the plate, whether you win or lose? Especially for these young girls who really, nothing's on. Nothing, nothing really. Yeah, you get a trophy, you walk home with a banner, bragging rights, whatever. But that only lasts so long. Right. Right? I, how many How many kids have... Or how many people have trophies from when they're 13 collecting dust in a box in their basement? Yeah, it's right. Not, it's not meaningful. It, so at the end of the day, you know, I try to remind these girls, like, you got like nothing to lose. Just go out there and have some fun and rip. Go out there and rip some balls. Like, I love, but you I, know, first of all, I, and I, I promise I'm not going to drive us off the cliff. But I wanted to talk about the trophies thing. It's very, very unique because as they start to pile up, right? Like I give an example, when I moved from New York to whatever, I'm like, what am I going to do with all these goddamn trophies? So you know what I did? I picked, uh, and you'll see them on the wall around you. Mm -hmm. I picked um, all the ones that had a, had a story to tell. Story, yep. And I kept those and I threw out the rest. Yeah. Uh, um, literally threw out the rest. I'm yeah. like, not put them in storage, not put them in a, another bedroom or whatever. Um, for example, my first championship in Germany, it's behind you right there, right? Mm -hmm. um, one year I played at Hunter. One semester, I was there for a cup of coffee because I, yeah. I just wanted to play NCAA volleyball. And mm -hmm. we had a great coach from IPFW that year, yeah. uh, Bill Anderson, uh, our balls assistant. Okay. Um, and the championship medal, you know, it's right there. And yeah. the team picture's there. Yeah. So, uh, so so, all these little things that mean something. My, yeah. fir the first, my first time I actually won money uh, in, in a New York tournament, that's yeah. on the wall over there, right? Yeah. Um, uh, this wall behind me, everything I've done in California is behind me. Mm -hmm. So this is the California wall. Mm -hmm. That picture where John Mayer is so proud of mm -hmm. the work we've done together. Um, and I'm, I'm actually going to pick up uh, LA Volleyball Club because yeah. they did this nine-person collage yeah. pictures and the nine people and quotes like what what the, they the, the things they liked about yeah. me. I almost cried. Oh, uh, you think so you think amazing. you're an emotional wreck. So I'd like to talk about what you were talking about. Yeah. But I want us to delve into something more specific about mm -hmm. that. So we're gonna go two phase. All right. We're gonna go in game, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna go back. We're gonna revisit what you did post game. Mm -hmm. Because what you were talking about winning and losing and how long the, the, the importance of those all of those feelings be, uh, having one thing in common, they're very temporary. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'd like to go in game mm -hmm. without. A, um, and you are going to take the steering wheel and drive us back on the cliff because I'm an idiot. Um, Chael Sonnen, your MMA fighter, mm -hmm. UFC fighter, once said, they tell you that losing is not an option. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Losing is an option. Yeah. Losing is the most readily available option mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Always there when you need it. Hot 97 rhyme ready. Now, as coaches, what we can do, we can go into the huddle and tell them two very important things that make them shrug it off mm -hmm. or as much as they humanly can because they're not machines, they're people. Mm -hmm. You can tell them one, look across the net, the other team's feeling it too. It's 24-24 for them too, mm -hmm. right? Because so, whether they're the underdog and they have a chance of beating a better team, there's that nervous energy. Or whether they're the best, the, the better team that's like, how do we get here? There's nervous energy. Mm -hmm. They're feeling it too. And the second thing is, stop treating it like it's a freaking abnormal feeling. Yeah. It is a normal feeling to feel this way. Mm -hmm. You're not machines. Mm -hmm. You're people. So I go, into a, I go into the huddle 
Because you, if you have some kids that have this hang, these hang-ups. Mm-hmm. And like you said, positive affirmation is a big thing. Hey, yeah. look, next play. Or you could let negative talk yeah. creep up in there, you know? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think I think for me, like in game moments, I lean on those po- positive affirmations. And with me, when I when I give positive affirmations, because there's some people who give positive affirmations and they're not very genuine, right? Like, oh, you're the best hitter in the world. The kid's going to go, no, I'm not, right? A positive affirmation doesn't work unless the child believes it, right? right? So don't say something... Don't give someone a positive affirmation when it's not genuine, when it's not really realistic, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, my setter, she knows she's one of the best in her age group. So that's a positive affirmation that would work, right? right? Hey, you're one of the best setters in this gym right now. Play like it. Mm -hmm. Feel yourself. Feel confident. Because I'll tell you, nothing is better than a player who's feeling confident on the court, right? Nothing is better than seeing your team play with confidence. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, in those moments where those players start to struggle, right? Like, for example, I had a middle who would wanted to tip everything this weekend, even though she can bounce like 15 feet. Mm-hmm. Yep. One, here goes the two to the three to the four. Right. Everybody in the club getting tipsy. Right. And so, you know, I take a look at her mm. and I go, mm. Gaia, you could literally rip someone's head off if you wanted to. <laughs> she just said your name. <laughs> yes, I did. And she knows this because I'll tell, tell it all the time. You could rip someone's head if you wanted to. Yeah, she is. So She's go up there and rip the ball. Yeah. Right. So those kinds of positive affirmations, I think, are so good for these players, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, they're playing out of fear because they don't believe in themselves. Yep. They're playing out of fear because they don't believe in what they can do. They're yeah. looking at the other side and they're putting more belief in the other what the other side can do than what they can do themselves. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what wins. And for us this past weekend, competition wise, that's what won for us. Yeah. Right. So, so that's a win in that respect. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, you're feeling right now, which I remind you is very temporary. A week from now, you're going to be like, yeah, OK, that, yeah. Was, that was a win. Because yeah. <laughs> right you know now, what? fresh off that, we ain't feeling like we won. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? For me as a coach, like I, I never really care about the wins or the losses. What I really care is the, the value you. of play. But that's our way though that's, yeah that's the la volleyball right so way. you know if if we had walked into this past weekend playing the way i know we could play mm-hmm. going out there and ripping balls and the other team was just that much better than us mm-hmm. then i would have been like you know what guys like that was awesome i don't care that we lost every single game that was awesome yeah right but again that wasn't the case the the negative self-talk the doubt the 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 not believing in yourself mm-hmm. Um, not de- believing that you deserve to be there, that can be so big right. for young girls, especially who are entering into society already with those things being told. Yeah. When without talking too much about our club, that's where Coach Telly had it figured out be- yeah. this season before all of us did. Yeah, you look he's at amazing. The, you look at his team. I'm like, man, I hate that guy. He was so he's so good. Yeah, he's so good. And the whole time he's like, I'd like to learn more from you guys. Yeah. And I'm like, no, what? you no, we need to I have think every coach we need can to learn sit. something from him. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. This is the one where we as long as we've been doing this and as much as we like to think we know, boy, does he got that figured out. And yeah. again, that's as much as we want to talk about like our club, yeah. but 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 in order to talk us about volleyball, we we have to use that as an example yeah. and cite as a pretext, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like you said, steering us back off the cliff from off the cliff. 
yeah. on Mulholland Drive and back to Hermosa Beach, you talked about post game. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a disappointing loss this weekend against mm-hmm. someone that might be a future rivalry. And yeah. I was not, I mean, I'm heartbroken in the middle of the game, but when it's done, I had this exhale, mm-hmm. like, thank God it's over. And, and I have the same exhale whether I win or lose. Yeah. And that's what makes me last long. That's why I'm yeah. 52 and I don't look 52. Right? Yeah. I look like a, I look like a, a creepy 35, right? <laughs> hey, little girl. <laughs> and she's like, um, help. But, um, um, and I tell my friend, my kids this, and this is important too, because it's a mixture of tough love and positive, positive reinforcement. Um, some of you feel bad about losing right now. Some of you feel like crap. Uh, and some people are going to tell you, you don't feel that way. I'm like, I'm not that guy. No, mm-hmm. you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Feel that way. If you're mad, you're mad. If you're grief stricken, you're grief stricken. We had four girls crying. Mm-hmm. They, and and I'm going to finish that thought in a minute. But I'm, what I'm getting at is what you're feeling right now is very, very temporary. Mm-hmm. And I need you to cry and I need you to be upset or I need you to be grief stricken. And then you to take five, five to ten minutes to do it. Mm-hmm. And when the five to ten minutes are done, hit the rewind button because we got to play again. Yeah. And because and because your because your sisters need you. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So um, and I forgot what my other point was. Maybe that was the point. The feeling is is as bad as it is, is very, very, very temporary. Yeah. You know, but um, it's weird because as a coach I, and I, I'm different from some people when the game's over, I'm just like, thank God it's over. Yeah. With, even if we won. Yeah. And and. LA Volleyball Club, right? We're, we seem to be winning these days more than we're losing. Yeah. But um, which is what you were saying. That's not what's important. No. 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 It's yeah. it's it's. I think winning and losing takes care of itself when you take care of the other. Yeah, and you know, I think as a coach, like we push this on the players so much. But I think, um, you know, I actually had a conversation with Carrie Papinga yesterday. Um, who, you know, sports psychologist, amazing stuff with Mind Growth Lab. And I was talking to her and she was like, you know, um, the best thing you can do for these players when they're feeling the wins and the losses is to try to shift their mindset to their own PRs, right? And I've always thought, I I always, you know, preach like, yeah, it's not about the wins and the losses, but the way she phrased it with the PRs, I think were so big for me because, you know, if we're walking in the game, not even thinking about wins or losses, no matter what level you are, right? Whether you're collegiate, professional, not even thinking about wins or losses, but you're only thinking, how can I play my best right now? Mm -hmm. That's going to take care of itself. And so does. Right. And yeah. so, you know, I think I I really valued that what she told me yesterday because, um, you know, I went back to my team yesterday at practice and, and shared that with them. And, um, you know, yes, wins and lo- wins are nice. Losses suck. I'm not going to I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh, oh, hold up. You never believe who's I, calling I, right now. Oh, no. Who is that? <laughs> hold up. What up, Jason? Well, we're live. We're doing a podcast right now. I got Kamalu, and you're on speakerphone. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange that you call because it's like saying Candyman three times. <laughs> Sorry. It's like saying Candyman three times. Like we said your name three times and you called. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, so I'll let you 
Yeah. Yeah, get get out of here so we can talk about you behind your back, all right? <laughs> yes, dude, it'd be nice if I text someone back. Sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. Later. Oh, Speaking of the man himself, yeah, the big yeah. guy. <laughs> That's so so for the audience listening, Jason Olive. Um, director. Yeah, director, yeah. Um, program Founder, director. Yeah. Also uh, first or our second team All-American at University of Hawaii. Final four. Yeah. They actually came in the one the one seed I think that year against Penn State, uh, though Penn State was the defending champion. They they had won the year previously. They beat UCLA in five. Yeah. So Penn State beat them in five, and then and then Nygaard and UCLA avenged their loss. Beat like three, uh, three burgered um, you, um, Penn State. Um, I think championship teams. Mm-hmm. There's no championship team out there where that only exist through positive reinforcement. I don't think there's a championship team that only exists through tough love because that's, I don't think that as far as sustainability is concerned mm-hmm. and with that that emotion and just constantly, uh, um, I guess, cattle prodding, mm-hmm. uh, um, you become known to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams that win the championship have a, a healthy mixture of both. Yeah. Um, John Mayer, positive reinforcement personified. Yeah. In order to win the WCCs, he had to have Aaron Mansfield. And yeah. you know who Aaron Mansfield is because I think when you play for Cal Northridge, he's coaching LMU. He's coaching the, the mm-hmm. women's team. And, mm-hmm. and at some point in your four years, I'm sure you ran into that mm-hmm. guy. He's a good coach. He's a tough love coach. Mm-hmm. So um, at this level, would you say positive reinforcement of tough love is like 90-10, 80-20? Honestly, I, I think... I think it's 50 50 mm-hmm. to be honest right. and and the crazy thing is i actually heard a quote yesterday um jay shetty who is another podcast host was on a call her daddy podcast with alex cooper and he said a quote and i literally paused in my car on the way to work and had to voice memo it because i fell in love with the quote and it was happiness is the intersection between gratitude and growth. Hmm. And to me, yes, happiness, but also success, right? I look at that and I go, if 50% of you can be grateful for where you are and what you've done to get here, but the other 50% can be, hey, I need to work harder to grow and become better. Right. And you have the balance in between. I think that's when you just... Well, that that success is also navigated about the other 50% not living in a false dichotomy, right? Yeah. You got one all positive, but the other 50 is like, I need to get better and not just all negative, right? So the reason why it works is because it's not stretched to the extreme opposite of, of, of... a false dichotomy meaning you're either with us or against us yeah. when no when the argument's not just just those two choices yeah so i i totally 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 get that yeah and you know with these girls who are really young and again being a female like i know how tough the world is on you already for just being a woman <laughs> so yeah so you know i I get that these girls are already dealing with so many battles inside their heads even before stepping into the gym, right? So when they're stepping into the gym and already having these battles, sometimes mistakes can just reinforce the negative talk that's happening outside the gym, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me. I'm not pretty enough to do this, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff that girls deal with, right? coming into the gym, making a mistake, and then, of course, having a coach who's just tough love 
can completely break down these girls who are already dealing with a tough world, mm-hmm. right? And whereas boys might be a little different. Boys, you give them tough love and they're just like, okay, right? right? And so it's kind of finding the in-between because at the same time, if you're just positive reinforcement, that that side of them who the teenager side of them that's trying to gain that independence at 13 from authority right because that's what happens when you're going through your teenage years you're trying to gain independence away from any authoritative figure that 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 positive reinforcement can almost backfire if that's all that that's happening Right, where they feel like they're the ones who have the power or they're the ones in the driver's seat or they're the ones who have the control um, or even just, hey, I don't need to listen to you kind of situation, right? Which is what you see, I think, with a lot of teenagers with their own parents, right, at that age. So I think especially when you're dealing with teenagers, you have to find the balance in between. Dude, yeah. Dude, I live in the South Bay. I know exactly what you're talking about as far as like teenagers and their parents are concerned. I'm yeah. like, dude, if I talked to my mom that way, I would have got drop kicked. Oh, same. <laughs> my mom would have dragged me out of the gym holding yes. my ear in front of everyone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, mom, mine was a little bit more medieval than yours. <laughs> you know what a switch is? No. A switch is a tree branch that your your, your parents make you find so she could whoop your behind. Oh my gosh. So my parents made, made me get the murder weapon. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> go out there and find a branch. I'm like, good Lord. Here yeah. we go again. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, I think, I, mm-hmm. I think finding the balance in between the two. Um, and I think that's why having a relationship with these girls that, to the point where they believe in you as their coach and they Mm. know that you're coaching from a place of love allows you to be a little harder on them. Yeah. Right. Like my team knows that when I'm making them do like burpees every 10 seconds, because they just refuse to listen to me. It's not because I hate them. It's not because I think they're not good. It's because they know I care. Right. Right. So it's, it's building that rapport with that team. I think in the beginning, yes, 50, 50 is 100% the way to go. But I think Mm. as you build trust and as you build belief with your players, then you can start to get on them a little bit because I think at that, at this age for where they they're wanting to go, is important and i think that tough love the balance of tough love is important because it implements something i i I affectionately refer to as healthy consequence Mm -hmm. right like doing burpees for whatever not paying attention and this and that everyone's like oh i'm not a punishment coach and i'm like and i'm not leaning in that false dichotomy either i'm not like i'm an all punishment coach i'm all this Uh, um healthy consequence does actually change the rhythm of practice where uh, it helps main, uh, st- uh, the kids maintain their attention. Yeah. Right? And I don't even think I need to be a shrink to say that. I don't yeah. think I need to be some qualified expert. Right? You don't need to be a chef to know what steak looks like. Right. right? This isn't steak. Oh, you a chef? Then shut up. No. Yeah. I, no, I, don't, I won't shut up because yeah. that's not steak. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, and that's what I was talking about. Uh, we were talking about in the beginning on a certain level, there's certain things that we got a great sports psychologist. It's, 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 she's amazing. Carrie's and there's certain awesome. things, there's certain things where I consider experience experience. Mm-hmm. Like when Thanos said, if you consider failure experience and Loki mm-hmm. said, I consider experience experience. That's mm-hmm. that. That's something that has legs. Yeah. So let's do another one minute lightning sure. round. All right. We are going to talk about controllables. All right. And I'm going to give you the choice because I'm going to do one. You're going to do the other. Mm-hmm. You're going to give me e- either three things that you c- can control that the other team can't take away from you on the court mm-hmm. or three controllables that the other team can't take away from you off the court. 
Okay. Both which, of which, them? Which or one do you want? I'll do off the court. Off the court? Yeah. All right. Why not? <laughs> so I'll go first then. Okay. All right, because on the court is easier. Yeah. All right. All right, so there's the clock. Three controllables. And we're off. Three controllables on the court. If I'm just going to go fundamentally, I will say one's a serve, right? Serve is 100% control. No one can smack the, the ball out of your hand, and the other team can't make you miss your serve. Only you can, all right? Second one is in-system setting. And we're talking at the juniors level, so just, just as citing as a pretext on my three. Um, at the juniors level, in-system setting is if you get a perfect pass, the other team can't make you set poorly. Only you can do that. The third controllable is down ball free ball mm -hmm. depending on the level someone has to give up the goods they're they're down balling or they have to give it up um depending on the level that's 70 30 80 20 90 10 that the high level 99 one uh, um so those are my three and within the, and a few extra seconds left i will also like to throw in where your starting position is and where you're supposed to play defense the other team can't make you not play defense where you're supposed to right um so that's those are my three on court controllables as we count down for five seconds i think i got it right kamalu has my honk the horn you are next all right <laughs> oh, so the off, right. off the court controllables um I think most of it will, are, are the muscles between the ears, right? So I think um, being a student of the game, so that means watching film, watching other players, watching yourself play, watching your opponents play. Um, because although we're stepping into tournaments not really knowing our opponents, you do see the same amount of teams, and they all post their videos on YouTube. So you can go and you can watch what the other teams are doing. Um, I think another thing that's... Um, controllable off the court is how hard are you working out are you physically getting stronger are you jumping stronger jumping higher are you getting faster um, because that's another way you know you can beat your opponent if you can't grow taller because that's an uncontrollable be faster be smarter mm -hmm. right and that's what my team is undersized so that's what i push to them all the time got one more faster smarter the third thing is i think your heart right that playing with your heart and and training with your heart and having that grit to persevere mm. is above all else going to get you where you need to go you sounded just like jason on those you make <laughs> you make me sick <laughs> he and i do think a lot alike man y'all should be ashamed of yourselves in a good in a good way if there is such a thing yeah well, if there I, is such I, a thing i give you jason oliver yeah and well I, I think the reason why he and i are so similar in that sense is because i think the the core mm. of his volleyball comes from the core of hawaii volleyball Right, and that's my core. That too. aloha spirit, uh, um, and on, uh, comes on so many levels. Yeah, huh? and and that that yeah. playing undersized is a thing that every Hawaii volleyball player experiences. Yeah, I'm like I'm from New York, and we have this dog in us. Mm -hmm. Everything's personal. Someone gets a ball by me, that's personal. Mm -hmm. Someone dunks on you, that's personal. And and we we create these little islands that mm -hmm. we protect as a and, and it's built as a character armor like if you if you cross this line that's your ass mm -hmm. you know and, and and we bring that that mentality to volleyball but but at the same time if you can install some kind of discipline to come with it because we were talking about kobe bryant mm -hmm. um and i said this to my team i had a tough love conversation mm -hmm. i got I, you, you didn't want to be in the gym I, I had to i had to do i had to i'm very careful about not vilifying girls in front of the team because yeah. girls volleyball that you can't you don't want to yeah. upset, upset the sisterhood, yeah. but you got to do it. You got to hit them some. Yeah. So I basically said, Kobe Bryant, um, people call him a ball hog, but I remember him saying, he says, I'm out of practice. I'm the first one there. And I, you come into practice, you're late. Mm 
He says, we go through the progressions and some of the drills. I'm putting 100% in. You're taking your foot off the gas pedal. There's a water break in between. I'm looking at some, some of the numbers. I'm looking at some video, you know, some replays. Uh, you're on your phone. Uh, practice is over. You're, you're the first one out the door. I'm still there. He says, so at the end, when I'm taking that shot or in the game, I'm taking a shot. I'm looking at who do I trust? Do I trust me or do I trust you? No, I trust me more than I trust you, right? And I said, I said, dip between Kobe Bryant, that's an individual thing, but the the trust is the, is the, was the point I was trying to make, right? Mm -hmm. And I called out the two girls on my, uh, who, are, who are goofy foots on my team. And I said, you, you had the entire winter break to fix your steps. Yeah. Okay? You could have done, I told you to do 100 jumps a day. And I don't mean 100 straight up. You could have done five sets of 20, and you could keep doing it until it's gone. Right. All right? Uh, um, you you are bigger, stronger, and faster than the other girls, than I, the girls I, I had the previous year. And you're not and you're not using those things. Mm -hmm. So when I got parents who come, who have this disappointed look on their face that we lose a game to uh, 16, 14, the third set. Oh, it's a team we could have beat. That's a team they could have beat. Should have beat. If we cover our P's and Q's in practice. Uh, um, those things don't happen. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I had to give them tough love, tough love because that's not a reflection on them. Mm -hmm. They're looking at me like that. Yeah, Me, the one who, like like you, we live and breathe this sport. You're proud of it. And, you, yeah. and, and it is per, and we do personalize our work. I don't want anyone to think that's the coach that's not, that, that, that doesn't prepare his team. So hell yeah, I had a little bit of anger in it, but I had to execute the same 24-hour rule the parents did. Because mm -hmm. if I said it to them that day, you know, it would have been messy. Yeah. But I did call out people. Yeah. I'm like, Lila, I taught you a default shot. Mm -hmm. Hard. If you lose the blocking vision, hard position four or five. You're still going line into the net, line into the net, line into the net. You know? Insanity. Mm -hmm. Repeating the same thing and looking for a different result. Yeah. Insanity. Yeah. So so there was a little bit of that. And, and and I said, don't take this as a put down. Take this as a challenge. Yeah. This Because I'm challenging you to play to to the potential of not what i believe you can be i mean i have my own beliefs which your parents not what your parents believe yeah. you can be but what you and your heart of hearts know you can be because of what you become and how far you've come from here to now yeah. you know you can do this so yeah. so stop playing yeah. stop being all slick in practice stop coming late stop stop talking you know sometimes because you my sense of humor i keep the mood light Mm -hmm. So one of my challenges as a junior coach is when I keep the mood light, people think I'm your friend. I'm not, yeah. your, I'm not your freaking friend. Yeah. I ain't your friend. You know? We're friendly, right? But, uh, right? Y'all ain't never been to my house. Y'all don't even know where I live. Yeah. <laughs> Our kids ain't going to play together. So, so there has to be enough of that mm -hmm. where, man, it's, it's, it is reflection on a coach. And I get so mad that I put this trust system yeah. or this unofficial contract. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a tight ass. Mm hmm if you if you behave like young adults mm -hmm. right because that's what that's their biggest complaint with their parents right you know they're treating me like i'm a baby i'm not a baby anymore and, and i'm glad i'm saying this because i know a lot of them are going to listen to this mm -hmm. act, act your age not your shoe size mm -hmm. you know so that was the tough love thing yeah you know and that's why i think we're winning more games than most because it positive reinforcement or whatever that level of success uh, that we're having right now doesn't exist on one or the other so that was just an example because yeah. there are a lot of coaches, I'm gonna, and I'm going to give you the floor, but I'm, I'm going to finish by saying this because there are a lot of coaches, there's a handful of coaches like me that have the same style. Mm -hmm. We have a sense of humor. We keep the mood light because it, it makes us love our job more. Mm -hmm. and, and if the kids fulfill their part of that contract, we are high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think too, with, with pushing these girls, um, especially for the level of play they want to be at, right? If they didn't want it, if they didn't want to be, you know, 
and I had this conversation with my players yesterday. If you guys don't want to be at the top, let me know now. Yeah. Because then my 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 approach is going to be completely different. Yes. But if you want to be at the top, you're asking me to go to war. So I need to train you to uh-huh. go to war. Yep. That's not going to be easy. No. That's not going to be fun at times. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. But what you have to understand is this is what you're asking me to do, right? This is what you're asking of me. And it's only my job as a coach to follow through. I would not be doing you justice if you're telling me you want something and I'm not giving you the work that's going to take to get there, right? So I think what happens is, right, these girls are, are still understanding what it takes to get there. Right. Because, again, a lot of them don't come from families where the parents have played at such an elite level, even just any sports. Right. Because any sport where you get to the top, it takes a certain type of work to get there. And nobody is going to understand unless you've been through it or you're going through it right now. Right. And so that's where I think coaches who understand what it takes to get there and can replicate it multiple times with multiple different athletes are the coaches that end up successful. And part of that too, again, is, is hey, you're asking me to go to war. Yeah. Prep I think, for war is not easy. No. It's not sunshines and rainbows. Uh, and if, if you plan on losing, it's easy. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's what I'm saying, right? It's, it's, and, and the thing, and it's crazy too, because I, I stuck with the war analogy for the longest time yesterday in, the, in my conversation. And I said, you know, think about it this way. When you go to war and you mess up because you were supposed to take that shot and hit that person and kill that person, but you missed and that person ends up sending a bomb over here, it's not just you who's going to be dead. It's, it's the all, entire all of your team. Sisters. It's all your sisters. And so that's what I was trying to drill into their head yesterday of, hey, you guys are asking me to go to war. Mm-hmm. This is what needs to happen. This is what it's going to take. Are you guys willing to do this? Because if you're not willing to do that, then also let me know because I can adjust. But all I'm doing is preparing you for what you're asking me that you want. I think knowing what people want helps too, right? Yeah. Let's say you have a player that doesn't want it as much, uh, but her skill set and her athleticism is superior, right? Mm-hmm. And she just and at the end of the day, she gets on the court and she's just better than the girl that wants it. You're gonna coach everybody the same way anyway. Yeah. But but securing the knowledge of what that girl wants on the level to the other girl is just good to know. Yeah. This way you're not stressing you're not stressing out as much too. Yeah. So then that's also an exhale. Yeah. Moment. And it also helps, I think, yeah. from a standpoint of knowing what they want because it also helps you explain like what their thought process is when mm-hmm. you're giving them feedback, right? Yeah. Because if a girl is playing volleyball just for the fun of it and because she likes to be around her friends, yeah. When you're criticizing her or maybe getting on her about something, and I, I maybe I take back criticizing, you you're giving her feedback. It's seen as harsh criticism because again she's there to have fun so when you're getting on her more than you normally are or maybe really drilling something in her it it can be taken in a different way than someone who maybe wants to go play division one volleyball because she can't afford school any other way right right yeah you stumbled on something very important um when you mentioned go to war because it's connected to what you just finished saying about having fun and this and that. Yeah. We have something in theater called GOAT. 
-hmm. goal, obstacle, tactics, expectation, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm on stage and my, and my goal is to be really good and have the audience love me or whatever, mm -hmm. then my, um, my goal is, is misplaced mm -hmm. because that's the expectation. Mm -hmm. The expectation is the culmination of what your goal was mm -hmm. and, and what the obstacles are and what your tactics to work your way around the goal. Mm -hmm. So I like go to war because you never said winning the war, mm -hmm. just being ready to go to war and having that mentality. Um, and winning is your expectation. And some of your kids, if their goal is to win, they're not going to win. Yeah. Very much like theater. If I go on stage to be good, I'm not going to be good. Mm -hmm. If I go on stage and just make it about my scene partner, or if it's just a monologue and just just feel it, and 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 the residue that that comes from that goal is your expectation, and that's very very um, challenging thing for adults mm -hmm. that we're asking kids yeah. to differentiate from. So, um, something else you talked about. This girl's here to have fun. That should be an expectation. Yeah. If their goal is to come here just to have a good time, you know what's going to happen. They're not going to have a good time because yeah. you're, 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 you're just going to spend the whole thing making them do suicides. Yeah. This, this, ain't, this ain't fun no more. And I'm like, that's not why you're here. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer to say that's not why you're here. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be limited or included to, uh, or, or, to fun, mm -hmm. right? You can have fun. I call it serious fun. That's mm -hmm. my other official contract. Yeah. You can have fun, but, but when it's time to get serious, get serious. Yeah. So the challenge with some of these kids, they love to play volleyball because it's fun. Remind them they're here to learn a craft. Yeah. They're here to perfect a craft. And yeah. through constant repetition and psych psychology, and you, as you develop and grow in all these facets, mm -hmm. we can go on and on, blah, blah, blah. Um, if, you're, if you're having fun, and enjoying the, if you're enjoying the process mm -hmm. good for you yeah. but if you're not having fun you got a choice to make stay here and be miserable yeah <laughs> and i'll still use you because you're good yeah or or maybe this you, may, you know maybe, maybe this club is not for you but yeah. i think and I, I guess what i'm trying to say is the people that enjoy that have the most fun are the ones that uh enjoy going to war they enjoy the process say, find joy in the process and yeah. that's and and the thing too with that is like you know I have a team where I would say 70% of the team wants to play collegiate volleyball. Mm -hmm. And the other half is either not sure or don't want to play. Right. And so part of it too, right, is understanding that you have teammates who want to go to the top, right? You have teammates who, and they even have some teammates who need to get a scholarship if not right. they cannot go to college they can't afford it mm -hmm. right so there's there's a part of this where and this is more so when i'm talking in practice um of respecting other people's time right because if you're in the line and you're distracting me in a drill because your goal may not be to play division one volleyball but mine is i'm not gonna be very happy no, but that shouldn't diminish the general respect. Yeah. So when when I talk to my team, you know, I always make sure that, hey, we have to respect each other's goals and we have to respect what it takes for each other to get to their goals. Right. Right. And and the great thing about flow one and even bounce one is that the friendships are so deep. And so there is a level of respect there. And, and a respect for each other. And even those players who are newer to the team, 
have have formed friendships so quickly and I think with women's volleyball those connections and those friendships are so important when they have to go to war right that 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 bond that you have that sisterhood that you mentioned right that sisterhood that you have if it's not there when you're down five points and the opponent's at 20 Mm -hmm. and you right now need to push If you are feeling a sisterhood with your team, you find it in yourself to not push for yourself. You push for the people next to you. And that to me is is the reason why certain women's volleyball teams just excel. It's a character builder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a character builder. Um because it's a selfless act that you're working overtime for, which is so unusual and inconsistent with general human behavior. Yeah. One's self-preservation of life is the essence of sanity. Sigmund Freud said that, and I believe that, but which makes the selfless act so much more noble and, and so um, not charismatic, but a character builder. Yeah. You ever see Remember the Titans? Did you ever see Remember the Titans? Mm-hmm. Um, Denzel Washington... I uh, was trying to get like the, the really heavy guy, uh, one of the front five, get his grades up. He's like, don't you want to go to college someday? He's like, oh, hell no, coach. And he says, I figure since I just got to be in, since I have to be in school anyway, I just figure I want to, I just want to hit people, have yeah. a good time hitting people. So that serves for the team too, right? Yeah. He's in it for his, for his, his own reasons. Yeah. He doesn't want to be an elite college player, yeah. but he's in it for his own reasons that uh, are still, um, useful to him to yeah. get him through his high school life that are useful to you as a coach because mm-hmm. you need that guy mm-hmm. a- and and understanding those personalities uh, on the reverse end because you were talking about what the kids want yeah. I'm talking about uh, uh, coaches understanding um, what the kids might want and this and that because yeah. look girls are just smarter than we are okay there's a reason why every college has a woman's team and 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 why there's NCAA beach and men don't have NCAA beach because they see scholarship opportunities they see an education an opportunity to make a better uh, a, the better version of themselves mm-hmm. and when everyone's done using each other they're gonna get a real job mm-hmm. it's why you see NCAA sport for women's beach but in the qualifier you only see like 30 women's teams qualifying and like a hundred men's teams qualifying mm-hmm. <laughs> you, it's less because yeah. they're like I'm either all in or, or I'm or, or or I'm gonna use they used me I'm using them yeah and, and 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 it sounds a cold way of putting it but that is what it is yeah and I think what you were talking about before the sisterhood Hunter High School I'm in New York mm-hmm. I am going in the tryouts and I cut eleven juniors and and, and sophomores I mm-hmm. kept eight seniors and I kept seven freshmen mm-hmm. didn't have a JV team and I made so many enemies in this school they're like oh you just cut that guy and i'm like he he tried out like a bum he thought he was he thought he was entitled to it and Mm -hmm. and and some volleyball is weird because if you come in new and if the kids think they know more than you they're not going to listen to you Mm -hmm. but you start cutting people and then when people start google searching you it's like oh shoot and then and then the parents at the end give you the nod Mm -hmm. you kind of feel better but what i said the first day and the i call it hell week um the Mm preseason just it's you're not going to like it. If, mm-hmm. And if you survive it, that means you love this sport. That means you embrace the process. Because mm-hmm. that's what Hell Week is. Yeah. Seeing if you, if, you, if, you, if you like the fire and you thrive in it or if it burns you up. Mm-hmm. So I said this quote, and it took me such a long time to get to this, sorry. Um, we few 
we happy for you. We bands of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood for me shall be my brother. This mm -hmm. is from um, Battle of St. Crispin. This is Shakespeare. I, th I believe it's Henry, Henry the Fourth, Part One. It's mm -hmm. one of my favorite plays. Um, my least favorite play when I hated Shakespeare and now I like Shakespeare. Shakespeare is my most favorite play. Mm -hmm. The next day in the drills, just, just, I'm doing a military ring of fire. That, that group is clutter, flutter kicks. That group is wall sit. That group is mountain climbers. That group is uh, jump reverse with a duffel bag on your back. And I'm coming up to kids. We few. We happy few. We band to brothers. For he today that sheds his blood for me shall be my brother. And I just kept repeating it the mm -hmm. entire hell week. And then year four, 38 and one record, they win the championship. And we did this clip like for the banquet. And um, one person was saying, we few. Next person, we happy few. This oh, next person, that. we band of brothers. And yeah. I fucking started crying. For he today that sheds his blood for me. Then the four girls who were assistants. For he today that sheds his blood for me shall be my brother. Four girls. And I just went, oh, my I went, ah. you're yeah. going to cry just listening. Yeah. It, and it was four years of work heartache yeah disappointment overachievement yeah. underachievement that led to this moment where i'm crap in the bed do we have it what it takes to beat to win the finals our only loss was the team that we had to play in the final in the finals mm -hmm. there's so at that time we were 37 and one that mm -hmm. was our only loss yeah and i'm like is it gonna be 25 23 is it gonna be this crap the bed moment and it wasn't yeah it was 25 16 25 10 yeah just New York is two out of three. And I'm like, what a moment. And as a coach, when you coach that way, you feel this overwhelming emotion mm -hmm. or nothing at all mm -hmm. and nothing in between. Mm -hmm. You're That's a, that's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. You're usually overcome or whatever or you just feel numb because you're still in coaching mode right. after the game's over. Yeah. So uh, I guess the point I was trying to make was sisterhood yeah the speech yeah. we few we happy few mm -hmm. happy because you're embracing the process yeah. we banded brothers for he today that sheds his blood for me shall be my brother yeah i love that i love that mm -hmm. especially you know there's there's that in the in the championship process in the winning process mm -hmm. of it all but then there's like if you look at where the emotion comes from when teams are winning that championship match and they're just in tears, right? It's because of everything it took to get there, right? All the little battles it took to win the war, right? All those little battles are all leading up to this one last battle. Mm -hmm. And once that battle is over, the war is over, Yeah. right? So when, you know... And it's funny because I just told this to some of my players yesterday. Like I use the example of, you know, if we keep running ones right into the middle of two, it, your setter's <laughs> front row and you're running a one straight into two blockers right? and your setter sets it, it's just as much the setter's fault as it is the middle's fault. Right. Right. If your passers, if your, if your passers are free balling or passing free balls and it's not perfect, but as a setter, you're not saying anything. It's just as much your fault as it is the passers. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. No, I was trying okay. to now I was trying to uh, search for something called gladiators in the arena while you were doing that. Yeah. And and so even like I mean, even if you keep getting a set that you don't like. Right. But you don't say anything to your yeah. setter. 
right? It's hard. It's hard for for un, uh, uh, selfless hitters to do that. That's and, a challenge. But but sometimes they need to, right? And especially, so well, especially for the middle, because that's a timing play. Yeah, too. and and so that's where you know I'm telling these girls like this is where that cohesiveness needs to come in. It's not just, oh, we're all friends. It's, oh, are you a friend that can call out your other friend? Right? Because that's really what a true friend is. Is, hey, I don't think you should be doing this. It's probably not what you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. Right? And so so that, I think, that I think is is part of that battle that players have to go through. And that's why I think when it comes to, like, seeing teams like my favorite thing to see in sports is the championship celebration because for me you know as an athlete when you watch that you know what it took to get there you know the blood the sweat the tears the pain the early mornings the late nights the money that your parents invested all of that right you know the belief that it had to take for your coach to even start you in the first place Agreed. Right? All of those things all come to the surface the moment that you win that last game. And and it's so weird that it's either numbing or just it's too much. You yeah. start bawling. Do you remember when Karch uh, won the gold? Yeah. Not won the gold. The players did. Yeah. Coaches don't get medals. Yeah. But the whole time, this man, this robot, yeah. I'm like, he tried to talk and he couldn't yeah. because he was trying to hold back the tears yeah. and talk at the same time yeah and he just kept saying they did it yeah. not we not i did it not we did it not even we they did it they did it they yeah. did it and and how much he wanted it for them and i'm emotional I'm, i might cry just just talking about carts right now yeah. and it's so weird because that's why i had this love-hate relationship with gladiators in the arena speech which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna talk about a little bit more but um but it's i guess it's said way to this you for the people that don't understand or lack the ability to understand how people feel like that. I'm not going to be an a-hole and say that you don't understand because you've never done anything that hard in your life that gets you to that moment. Though a lot of my peers will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Not you, but a lot of peers, my peers will say mm-hmm. it that way. The only thing I can say is that put yourself in someone's shoes where you committed pretty much your whole day the sun rises Mm -hmm. and sets on a certain goal and let's say it happened the championship happened in a year Mm -hmm. or a second year Mm -hmm. third year on my high school team we had a really good shot at it and we didn't Mm -hmm. we lost to a kid with one arm Mm -hmm. missing an arm i'll tell you that story later that which will make you cry too um fourth year so four years of hard work this disappointment missing that and you get this we get this serve that hits the top of the tape and it goes in and we win. Ugh. And I the only thing I can I can tell people to challenge people who don't who oh it's just a, just a game, oh it's just sport. They're, you know, I I I I don't get these people. I don't understand. You know, um I need them to use to focus and use their imagination. Mm-hmm. And don't even talk about sports. Yeah. Four years of college. Yeah. You 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 know you're trying to be valedictorian. Yeah. You you're, you might be second. Yeah. Then you find out you you you're first. You mm-hmm. have the highest GPA. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that you don't feel anything. Yeah. Or don't tell. Have someone tell you 
that you're not supposed to feel a certain way at a ridiculously heightened level. Yeah. You know, and again, I could go another way with this and be like, oh, the people that feel like probably never done anything like that their whole lives. And maybe there's a heightened level of truth to that. Maybe our our chauvinistic conceit and our belief in our sport um, mm -hmm. entitles us to, to talk that way, mm -hmm. to answer someone that way. But uh, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't get it. Maybe they do. I want to uh Oh, that scared me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I have a, this compilation video. Sorry. I want to get to the end. Sorry. Let's see if I can just go to the end where the last serve is. This is um, the PSALs. Actually, actually, I can put it on now. So let's go back to this. Actually, let's go back to that X. We ran a ridiculous X out of row one. It's like one of the plays that we um, had trouble getting out of. And I'm like, God, row one is the, but row one, by the way, is the um, rotation. So that's Yes. So, so what, so what you do is you run play sets. Yeah. And when you run play sets, you're not thinking about ways to get out of row one. There, there it is. Now watch this. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know I'm over there on my goddamn knees, right? Uh, you saw me on the, in the corner somewhere. Yeah. So that was just that moment of four years of yeah. whatever. And you know, the other thing is too, the people that you allow to take that journey with you, they feel it too. Yeah. It's the best thing that ever happened to them. And it didn't even happen to them. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for a yeah. feeling? Huh? Yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah. And it's so amazing too, because, you know, for me, even as a coach watching these girls succeed right in in my culture and in hawaii culture in general when you do something it you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing it for your family it's, you're doing it for spirit. your for your school for whatever you're representing at that mm. time you're doing it for all your ancestors that have passed right so you have like and 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 it's so amazing because when growing up in that kind of culture you you come to learn that and come to believe that when you're walking about the world you have 10 billion people behind you right so when i'm doing anything i have that mindset of i have everyone else behind me right mm -hmm. so with that i've actually also adapted this mindset of when i see others i see everyone else behind them right so when i see my girls succeed my favorite thing is to actually look at the parents because it takes a village right there's that saying it takes a village of course it takes a village right how much how much motivation would these girls have without the right parenting well we got a good group of parents don't right we? I mean to make it about LA, but LA Volleyball Club, but damn, we got some good parents. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, how many practices would a girl not be able to make if her parents didn't drive her? Right. How much, how much did they put on the plate to invest in club volleyball? Right. And then even before that, right. For me, my great grandparents are immigrants from the Philippines and Japan. How much did they give up for me to even be able to grow up in Hawaii? 
right? So all those things, right, is when I look at these players, I think of all that backstory. And so every time they do something, so not even thinking about championships, mm-hmm. right? Just thinking about every little success, right? To me, with my, the way I look at the world, I just see it so differently because I see everything that had to happen right. for them to succeed in that tiny little moment. Yep. Amen. Right. So, Amen. so I think, you know, that's why I just love those championship videos because it's yeah. just like there's so much that goes into it even beyond just the players, beyond just the coaching staff, mm-hmm. right? Beyond just the families, there's so much that goes into it. And, and and in so many ways, I'm so jealous of you because right now, those moments that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I'm taking all of these in present tense, pretty much the last 10 years to, to the present because when I played, I had such high expectations that when I won a championship, I mean, we hugged each other and this and that, but um, I didn't get it as much. I was only able to look back and enjoy it retrospectively, Mm -hmm. where I'm so jealous of the people who, um, they're in their moment right there, right then, Mm -hmm. and they realize they're in their moment. This is like, they're like, why do I need to look back at this one? I'm here now. And I'm so envious Mm -hmm. of the people well, I mean, look, you deserve it, right? We all deserve it if we're in the finals, whether you win mm-hmm. or lose. I mean, you feel like you've already won if you've gotten that, if you've gotten that far, right? Mm-hmm. Those, some, those second place, nobody remembers a runner-up, yeah. if I'm going to sound cold. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an East Coast guy. Again, you are what your record says you are. Yeah. So, um, um, sorry, Staten Island Tech, you're second. But um, <laughs> that was a post. But I'm so envious of the people who are in their moment now that, I, I ride. I ride on the coattails. I latch on everybody. I, yeah. I, some, I've come to some of your finals. Remember, I stayed. I stayed for your finals. Yeah. That finished late. Yeah. Right. Everyone was that. Everyone was gone. No, yeah. me. Wild horses couldn't drag me from that game. Yeah. I, I was living vicariously through you guys because you guys were in that moment, and you guys. Um, um, we allow each other to take that journey together. Yeah. Right. Flow one. They've come to plenty of our games. Remember. Remember, there was a game where. Yeah. Jason had to hold up the whole show. Yeah. Uh, about a protest. Yeah. Flow one, nobody left. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We allowed them to take that journey with yeah. us. So, um, yeah, in so many ways, I love being with you guys because I feel like I'm catching up on some all, all, all of this, the nostalgia that my robotic mind, if not my ego, mm-hmm. just thinking about myself and, yeah. not, and not what everybody else put into it, severely missed. Yeah. I missed it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think one that thing... championship behind you, I missed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think one thing that we really tried to do with this club, which I I like to feel that we've done successfully, is that, you know, although Jason, Jason Olive hasn't, didn't grow up in Hawaii, he spent enough time immersed in the culture that he developed those values, right? He's a shapeshifter. Yeah, and so... With me growing up in Hawaii and growing up very immersive in Hawaiian culture, first language was Hawaiian, right. went to Hawaiian immersion school, all of that stuff. Huh. And so with with that culturally being so strong in the both of us, we knew what kind of environment we wanted with this club. We wanted to coach from a family standpoint. Right. We wanted to coach from a care about each person next to you standpoint 
Right. We wanted to bring all those values and that culture, right? If you think about Hawaii and you go beyond just the touristy locations and you talk to the local people, everyone is so kind. Yeah. And yeah. everyone is so inviting. It's so loving. Everyone's going, I don't know you, but I'm going to go out on a limb for you. Mm-hmm. And, I don't and, know and you, it, but, but here's some food. Yeah, but they're right? in the moment. That's why. Yeah. And so I think that's really something that we wanted to bring into this club and why, you know, even if you look at um, like our uniforms and our even the, the sweat jacket that I'm wearing right now, there's hints of Hawaii in there. Right. And And so you know, that's kind of the cultural thing that we wanted to bring to LAVBC. And I, I'm, I'm glad that people are feeling it. Yeah. And right? I'm, and again, I'm envious. I, I, in many ways, I still don't um, have that. And it's because, and this, this is the army too. Mm-hmm. We would do missions together and the brotherhood of mm-hmm. doing the mission and accomplishing these missions and let's go get a beer later or whatever. Or I'm a vodka guy, I don't drink yeah. beer. Beer tastes like pee, sorry. Uh, um, Agreed. There you go, see? <laughs> sorry, I'm Jason. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Agreed. Now that deserves its moment. See how I just go through the yes. moment? Uh, um, and I guess the reason why those end of the journey moments are anticlimactic for me because the ju- to me the juice wasn't in how it was going to end as much as it was about the journey itself mm-hmm. if that makes any sense yeah. so i was already in that moment yeah before i even i got to yeah. that moment so that's probably why i haven't felt that but the last few years it started in 2014 i'm gonna do a documentary with them too i'm mm-hmm. calling the uh it's gonna call i call it the, the, the smart kid school mm-hmm. hunter high school led the nation for 10 straight years in um cumulative sat scores wow and um ivy league application acceptance so wow and in fact that's the first championship team that produced no ncaa players wow they were all smart kids like, yeah yeah yale doesn't have a men's team brown doesn't have a men's team right mm-hmm. uh, um lehigh right uh, um johns hopkins mm-hmm. I mean, that's where all these kids went to and but uh, none of them had men's teams yeah. <laughs> except Vassar and that kid played basketball because he's a two sport athlete but, mm. but I'm very very glad that I caught on to this whole destination which is a combination of all the hard work because I didn't appreciate it because I was so locked into the journey yeah. and on to the next thing yeah on to the next thing yeah you know um, I love your escapism and I love that your escapism has become your career and I hope that you have something outside of this that allows you to come back and function like a mammal. For yeah. me, it's karaoke. Yeah. I'd sing twice a week I could do this because yeah. now this is our career. Yeah. This isn't, right when we grew up, this is our, our safe place. You yeah. were, we were talking about safe place. Yes. This is the place that no one can touch me. No one can call me a freak mm-hmm. or, or no one can say anything bad or mean about me. Yeah. I'm in my safe place. Yeah. Right? But now that our safe place is our career. Yeah. Got you. I'm, this is fatherly advice, I guess. Yeah. You got to make sure you have something outside of this. If it's traveling, yeah. uh, and, uh, and maybe I assume you know how to surf. <laughs> Not really. No. Actually. I know how to paddleboard. Okay. Yeah, I grew yeah. up paddleboarding. Yeah. So one more lightning round. Okay. We're past two hours, dude. I told you we could talk ah! all day. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Didn't you see the warning signs? Too too nervous." I said, "You and I could talk all day." All right. So these lightning rounds are just for you. Okay. All right. And my fans will be happy. Um, so let's get the scoreboard. Let's do that. So these are lightning rounds. These are just quick questions. And the way you the way you bang things out, you'll probably do it in 30 seconds and just a lot that time. All <laughs> I right? don't know. I'm a talker. 
All right, so here we go. Um, favorite comedian? Oh, Jesus. I would say uh, right now it would be Joe Coy. Nice. Yeah. Wow, cool. Last good book you read? Oh, uh, She's like, I, I don't huge. Read. No, I read too much. Um, last good book I read is the last book I read, um, A Court of Thorn and Roses. It's a romance fantasy book. Love. I'm on the second book in the series. Sarah J. Mass has Whoa. won me over. So nice. Marvel or DC? Oh, Marvel all the way. Cool. Pool or beach? Pool. Which Ooh! is great. Well, depending, <laughs> for me. Here, well, depending on where I am. If I'm in Hawaii, beach. Nice. Anywhere Lord else, pool. <laughs> Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Favorite sport outside of volleyball? Mm, I do enjoy watching basketball, but I did enjoy swimming. Like if I was to do it, it would be swimming. Our last question with five seconds left. Are you the best coach in volleyball? No. Okay. She's like, <laughs> I said that the same time as the horn. <laughs> <laughs> no, the answer was no for you guys. I know. <laughs> you could have been like, oh, horn's up. Not answering that. I, no. yeah, no. Well, I asked Trevor Crabb yesterday, um, are you the best player in the world? And he took a second. He says, yes. Yeah. And I really like that because present tense, you find out later that you're not, but present tense going into some of these yeah. battles where sometimes you feel like you're in over your head or not. Yeah. If you have that mentality, it helps. Yeah. You know? I, I definitely am, co am confident in my abilities, yeah. but I, I do know there's room for growth. No, the truth point. is yeah. you're probably not. But the, to me, the answer is always yeah. yeah. For me, I always yeah. say yes. Uh, if the movie Ghostbusters, I said this last podcast, um, where they were confronting like this demon and the demon asked, are you a god? Mm -hmm. Right. And Dan Aykroyd looked behind his friends and his friends were like, and he goes, no. And then she like does this electric thing and almost like shoots them off the top of the building, but mm -hmm. they hold each other mm -hmm. and they climb back up to the top. And then Ernie Hudson says to Dan Aykroyd, next time someone asks if you're a God, <laughs> you say yes. yes. <laughs> so funny. All right. So um, let's plug in our, our, our site. Uh, let's uh, also an IG handle. Someone's to know more about what Kamala has been up to and what you're doing on a professional thing. Personally, yeah. she's spoken for a guy. Sorry, fellas. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. Um, you know. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're thinking business wise, Los Angeles Volleyball Club dot com. Yeah. At Los Angeles Volleyball Club on Instagram. Because that's um, all we're about these days. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually am in the middle of getting my holistic health coach certification. So my own personal Social media will become that once I have certification. Whoa. Um, so Jesus. personal handle, uh, Kaui Kamalu, K-A-U-I-K-A-M-A-L-U. That's for all social media. So Perfect. Me too. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. So Kamalu might love you, but me, I don't like any of you. In <laughs> fact, I can't stand any of you. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPads, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. For my homegirl Kamalu, I ain't even saying a last name. I tried twice. I failed twice. <laughs> for my homegirl Kamalu and business associate, I'm Jason DeBeas. This is episode 163 of the Option Podcast. I'm going to hit my music. Stay with me. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.